And vivisection. Welcome to Marvel vs. Marvel. It's a podcast where a comedian who has never read a Marvel comic book before in his life watches a Marvel movie or a Marvel TV show and then quizzes another comedian, a second comedian, a backup comedian. This one is a Marvel expert. This one was taught to read with Marvel comics. It's the yin and the yang of the Marvel journey. I'm one of your hosts, Rob Haldon, joined as ever by the man who is powered by ignorance, Mr. Will Preston. Say hello, Will. Hello, I am Will Preston, the man powered by ignorance, but ignorance is very expensive. It's gone up through the roof lately. The ignorance oh. prices are through the roof this summer. It's that it's war in the Ukraine. Ukraine, Push yes. The, pushing the prices up. Yeah, I know. It's really pushing a lot of ignorance, that war. <laughs> Sorry, Welcome to resist. the... <laughs> Morbius episodes of Marvel vs. Marvel, uh, MVMM edition. Uh, it's Morbin time here on That Marvel Podcast. That Marvel um, Podcast. They we're very excited to be bringing you uh, this. Uh, this is the most current and recent movie we have ever looked at. Um, <laughs> and I had to twist Will's arm mm. to get this up and running and, well, and on I say twist and on tw- track. I say twist arm. You 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 lured me in with memes. And you said we will handle memes. Will you like memes? Because you're slightly younger. And I was there. I had to put down my Jessica Jones notes that I was really getting into and go. Fine, I'll start again with something else. We'll we'll tackle Jessica Jones uh, at a later date. Um, but this just felt like the stars were aligning. Everyone was talking about Morbius, and then lo and behold, it's back in the cinemas because Sony can't understand a joke. There is no better time for us to look at this. Hey, listen, guys, a failure is just as important on a Marvel journey as a success. <laughs> We're trying to look at the bigger picture of Marvel, and this is so different and and offbeat in so many on the production side, on the marketing side. We've never looked at a Marvel movie like this before. We are packed with cool behind the scenes stuff coming up on this show. We're going to go behind the scenes on one of the most convoluted and twisted production histories uh, of a movie we've ever looked at, and the weird memes of the Morbius sensation. We go behind the page on the history of horror at Marvel Comics from the 50s to the 70s to the 90s. We dive into Morbius's powers. Is he a true vampire? His connection to Doctor Strange, to Ghost Rider, his history with Spider-Man and the Punisher, and so much more. You don't go anywhere on this big Morbius blockbuster show. Um, I'm really jazzed for this one, Will. Oh, I'm jazzed too, because it really is Morbin time. <laughs> and we've never had... As many responses and emails and messages about a topic as this one. Oh boy. It is lit up the MVM audience like you wouldn't believe. Um, the mailbag section is an entire street. That's how big it is. It's just it's too, huge. Too much huge. bag. And it's not all what it's not all omnidirection. It's not all one way. There's a lot of there's a, there's some differing opinions on this. We differ in opinion on this. We really um, do. 
We it's really a big, do. exciting show that we've got for you. <laughs> uh, part of our, our summer blockbuster edition. Um, what 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 is better and more seat- suited for a summer blockbuster than a movie that's been at the cinemas twice in the same year? Was <laughs> Jaws in the cinemas twice? No, they 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 got it right the first time. <laughs> Actually, that's kind of not true. You look at the history of the great blockbusters; they all do return to the screens. Really. Um, because they were never cinema, so the industry was never expecting a, a smash hit, and they go, "Could we just re-release The Godfather again? Uh, we might be able to make a lot of money okay, if we do that." Okay, okay. Um, so I think it's right up there with the greatest summer blockbusters of all time: Jaws, The Godfather, and Star Wars. Here comes Morbius. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it, we're, we're packed. We've got so many cool things. Will you're off and about doing cool things all over the place. All over the gaff, mate. Absolutely. All over the gaff. You can catch me. Uh, I'm not booked for too many gigs because I had some cancel on me. I'm booked for Hellfire Comedy uh, at the Goose in Romford on Tuesday the 21st. And uh, then I'm doing my solo show at Ludlow Fringe in Ludlow. That's Will Preston Can't Face Reality at the Rose and Crown at 7.30pm. And on Thursday, the 30th of June, I am, again, downstairs at the King's Head in Crouch End. He's such an honest podcaster. Like, podcasting is all about being upfront and honest with your audiences and all of that. Um, But I can't think of a single other comedian or podcaster I know who would go, I've had loads of gigs cancelled on me. (laughs) (laughs) Just you can keep that part quiet, Will. You don't have to tell them that. They don't. They've got no way of knowing. I I just want to let everybody know that it's not all smiles and sunshine. I could use more sympathy uh, in my life. So don't try and take that away from me, Rob. Just listen, leave folks. Me alone. The the message that we want to deliver on the Morbius show is not everything is smiles and sunshine and success. <laughs> Sometimes you think things are going well and then they just collapse around you even though everyone is talking about the thing you're happy about yeah, um, even though it's obviously never going to go well in the first place uh, <laughs> but there are there are successes and things we're very yeah. happy with including the MVM official Marvel vs. Marvel t-shirts that we are both currently sporting yes. as we record this episode they are now part of the uh, recording uniform See, I have yeah. actually I've swapped shirts. I was writing the episodes and the notes, putting all that together in my powered by ignorance shirts, and then I wanted a fresh because it's it's a warm day. I've been working all day. I decided to uh, have a little uh, little freshen up and a change my shirt, and I've stuck on the incredible uh, MVM logo shirt uh, to have a nice fresh shirt for the record. That's how I'm rocking and rolling these days. Me, my name's Rob Holden. I can afford two MVM t-shirts. Two shirts. Two shirts Holden, they used to call me at school. Here he comes, old two shirts. Robbie Two Shirts Holden. Oh, it's number two today. Arthur Two Shirts Jackson. (laughs) Man, we've been so excited about working with Offworld Tees to put these these shirts together. You can get yours at offworldtees.com slash mvm. Uh, all kinds of sizes, all kinds of different fits. There's some scoop net. There's some different, different kind of. Uh, I mean, I think it's classed as like men's fit and women's fit, but mm. I don't agree with that kind of gendering of a t-shirt. That there's two types of different fits, and then there's a scoop neck, and then there's a a different extra quality heavier cotton shirt, and all that kind of stuff. Kids sizes and, and adult sizes. Um, it will fit absolutely everybody. 
Um, the, the the system is all handled by PayPal or credit card and things on, on the off-world tees thing. They deliver wherever you are in the world. They've got production hubs, America, Australia, and they've got them in Europe. They've got them in the UK. They've got them in Canada. So wherever you bounce, you guys are, we can get to you, um, and you won't have to order. Like, if you're a US resident, you won't have to order a shirt to be shipped to you from the UK and have to wait like months for it to right which has happened to me like i'm a big wrestling fan i buy wrestling shirts sometimes you can only get those wrestling shirts from the u.s you have to wait ages mm. you have to pay all this um tax to get it into the country we've made sure with off world tees that's not going to happen two fantastic designs willie p powered by ignorance uh catchphrase is made into a shirt we've got this amazing i mean i'm just a, a freaking in love with the mvm logo uh peter J, our wonderful supporter designed them the guys at off world tees perfected them and added some flourishes of their own um great quality like i i've been wearing mine quite a bit actually will yeah i i've the thing is i i bought a whole batch of uh, t-shirts from them so i've been rotating uh around i i, I went to a gig uh sorry <coughs> oh sorry about that guys i am human um I went to a gig last this last week wearing my Wayland Utani T-shirt from Aliens, and a barman spotted it and went, "Oh yes, there we go." You know, he really enjoyed that. I was out and about around on the uh, the the patriotic jubilee day wearing my powered by ignorance shirt and i part of me thought this <laughs> could be interpreted as a little critique of all the uh, flag waving but there we go um perfect for any and every occasion you've got to have something to wear when you're checking out a marvel movie you've got to have something yes. to wear when you're listening to this podcast because you're not allowed to listen to us in the nude it's against the law the law of this podcast. You've got to wear a t-shirt to listen. No bottoms, that's fine, but you've got to have a top on. You've got to wear a t-shirt to listen to Marvel vs. Marvel, and what better t-shirt than the MVM merchandise. Um, head on over to offworldtees.com slash MVM to get hold of yours. They're only available for June and July. It's a limited thing that we're a limited deal we've got with the with the company. So you'll only have a, a you know a couple of weeks to get hold a few weeks to get hold of these. Thirty uh, first of July will be the last day of sale, and then who knows what the future holds. So don't miss out. Head to offworldtees.com slash MVM. Come with me now into the mind of a muggle, a man who's never read a Marvel comic before in his entire life. And he's better Mr. for Will, it. <laughs> no, no, Mr. No. Will Preston, only exposed to the world of Marvel via the movies and yes. the TV shows, the video games, the cartoons. Mm. Will, um, have you ever come across Morbius before Before this movie? No. Next question. Um, there, I, think the, I think the first time I was exposed to him was through this podcast, funnily enough. Really? Yeah, when we talked about the horror stuff, um, you went... Uh, and then, of course, there's the character Morbius, the living vampire. And I went, I love that name. That sounds like a fantastic character. It's a cool name, isn't Morbius, it? Morbius, yeah. the living vampire. And it's like, obviously, there's going to be a time with Blade of what he told us previously about horror comics when we handled Blade. Uh, I, I was intrigued. Also intrigued by the fact that they did comics with Dracula in. Because I know he's not... He's royalty-free, so they could just shove him in there, which I found just marvelous and i really hope they fight dracula in the mcu i really hope they punch dracula in his big f face i always think it's interesting that like um 
Universal seem to have got Dracula locked down. Oh, not the MonsterVerse. Yeah. yeah. I, so I don't quite know how it works with, with depicting him on the screen. Um, well, you know how the rule works with Disney and Winnie the Pooh? The, the Winnie the Pooh wearing a red T-shirt is copyrighted by Disney. Uh, if you do Winnie right. the Pooh, yes. you have to do it without the red T-shirt, which is, and of then course, it's the an invention A.A. A. Milne thing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the first time you heard of Mobius was this podcast. Man, th- yep, this, yep. it's interesting how that cr- now we're in our second, th- well, in our third year now, aren't we? Wait. Yes, it's yeah. past April. Yeah, we're in our third year. This is season yeah. three of Marvel. Ver- this is phase three <laughs> of the podcast. It's interesting how we come across yeah. characters that you've only your first exposure was was to this. So when the I guess then what we want to do is take a look at your perspective. Um, just think of when when the movie I guess was if you can think of when the movie was announced when the trailer came out. Just that aspect, N- nothing that's that, that nothing that happened after it. Oh well. You, Did you, you know, have it, any? Uh, what was your awareness and what were your thoughts when when this was kind of being launched into the uh, into the public minds? Well, because I knew it was part of the Sony verse, I was there going, "Oh no, could you just hand it over to Marvel?" You know, could, why is that? Why is that? Because in the amazing Spider-Man films weren't great. Venom was terrible. Well, I didn't like it that. Well, it wasn't terrible, but it was. It seems to be this this ever sliding, diminishing. With each film they pull pull out after after the Spider Man films, uh, apart from when they team up to do the the last three Spider Man films, which were just fantastic. I, I but, think we said that Venom felt like a movie from the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, similar with this film actually, but I'll get onto that about that later. But my so first, you didn't you didn't it, it didn't excite you? No, uh, it, to have it, another Sony project. I was waiting for uh, what I was waiting for was for this film to get an average of 30 to 50% of rotten tomatoes yet make three times its mo- back its money at least and earn itself a possible sequel that's what i expected that was my prediction the most the most dull prediction you could ever imagine out of a film so you're you're going into this with a you know with a a, a negative kind of approach to to the whole to the character you know the character did, did, did the movie look exciting or did the trailer get you jazzed or there were some bits where he's flying and it look the, th- the problem is like it looks kind of exciting but it doesn't look like anything original but it was one of those things where you just go ah sure i could watch this it'll be a bit of fun you know, it's a guy who's basically a vampire it's like taking a, a marvel superhero kind of tone but you know, putting a vampire in there, and and it, there's this whole anti-hero aspect. I thought they could do something with this. I mean, Venom had its moments where it did feel like this cool anti-hero was was mm. going about, and I thought, okay, they're not doing this with some weird space symbiote. They're doing this with basically a guy who's a vampire, and that would get interesting. Um, but apart from that, I was just like, I I, th- I think it was just a big shrug from me. Yeah, it wasn't a, a rush out and see it kind of reaction. Yeah, I I just had this. It, it's a weird, it's a weird thing for me. I, I I really hope you can see where I'm, at least see where I'm coming from. If not, totally agree with me. I just think 
that all Marvel properties, all Marvel films should be handled by Marvel Studios and Disney. They should just all be ripped out from but from their legally owned parents or whatever, you know, whoever owns it. Just go, look, can we just have it back? Universal, let's have the Hulk. Uh, Sony, can we have back the, the, the Spider-Man's peripheral characters or whatever? Let's yeah, have we them should, all back. We should call social services on Sony. <laughs> I, yes, uh, social You've services. you mistreated these kids. Yeah, let's just slap Sony with an Asbo. I think uh, I think that's generally the common consensus. I really do. Yeah. I really do. I think that's what an awful lot of people uh, do think. And we, um, for our our very top top tier subscribers on our Patreon, mm. uh, myself and Will make exclusive video content as we react and discuss uh, the latest superhero movies that come out. Yes. Which means we head to the cinema to watch them. <laughs> and Morbius came out, and I said, "Hey, Will." This should be the first one we do because Morbius is out in the cinemas and we need to make this content, this video content for our top subscribers. And Will said, no, I am not doing that. I am not going to the cinema to watch Morbius. I, I, that was, well, that was the thing. Behind the curtain, guys, when I'm, when I'm doing the notes, when I'm writing my stuff down for a film, I have to pause it just uh, so uh, I... Uh, 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 but you, there were no notes involved in this. It was just like how we went to watch uh, other stuff at the cinema. Oh no, right! Initially, there were no notes involved in this. Oh, initially, initially for the video content, the video content. Remember that we were saying, "Hey, we need to, we need to go and watch some of these new movies that are out for the video content." Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But and you just did not want to go and see more movies at the cinema. Oh, absolutely! I, I did not want to go and see it. I, I think when you suggested it, I was like, I knew that this is the time was right to do it. And there was this kind of like everything inside me was screaming, but I agreed. <laughs> Well, no, no, you're getting confused. You agreed. To... Doesn't matter. It's fine. Okay. Okay. You didn't want to see it at the cinema, and you agreed to do this episode yeah. where that was not involved. Sorry, but you've I, conflated I... two events there, but that's fine. I look, look, look. Can we refer to me having confusion about events as a multiverse of madness? You know, both things happened in different but multiverses, the... <laughs> and it went a bit mad. But the thing is, when it comes to the actual world, you often have no idea what's happening, and yet you'll bring up a line from a TV. TV show from 30 years ago and you'll be like rob, why don't you remember this line rob? rob 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 you know as well as i do i would pay more attention to the real world if it had the common decency to be interesting or to be a cartoon for once with <laughs> yes. four fingers who um, doesn't want that so let's roll on over um to the uh the production side uh of this powerhouse titan of a movie um oh. we we have got to i think adjust some of our this is this is the first post-pandemic film we're going to yeah. look at, right? Oh, so okay. we've got to yeah, adjust yeah. some of our thinking. But I, I, you've got you're not okay. What have you got for us? I just want to say, I'm all, I always look forward to the production note side of things. As much as I love reading out stories, as much as I love reading out all the lovely letters you send in and talking about the film afterwards, I love doing the production notes. But this one. I have been waited for with bated breath, the production notes <laughs> for this episode. There's it's, a lot to get into. There's so much to get into. Okay. To set the scene, get the context, make sense behind the dollars and cents, we're gonna show we're gonna go through the the last three Sony superhero films that have come out. 
so we have 2018 Venom. The budget was 100 to 116 million dollars. Box office. Not a lot. Not, Not a lot. lot. As we discussed, we really did chat about that at the time when we looked at the, the Venom movie. Yeah. That's a very. That's not a lot of money. That's an. Oh, I like to call an effective amount of money because it made back a box office of 856.1 million. That's great. In, That's insane. Great. Didn't it great. cost... I think that movie cost less than the first Spider-Man or the second Spider-Man movie yeah. from 20 years ago and um, made the same amount. This is Mad. purely on the star factor of Venom and Tom Hardy. Tom, to- Tom, see, that's the big. Yeah. That's, the, that's something that this movie does not have. Does it- the star power of Tom Hardy was driving was driving that movie as well. Something for the mums. And, and Venom, it- Venom is a hugely popular character. Oh, yeah. No, there's even I wasn't even into Marvel, and I knew who, who Venom was. I, I, we all knew, you know, the Spider-Man and then Superman and Batman, and we kind of know who Venom is if you if you have a very basic yeah. knowledge. And of course, in 2021, was can we sequ- can we actually swap the next two examples you've got around? Okay, I'll swap them so around. So, can I- we have the Venom sequel after right before we do Morbius? Yep, that's fine. Okay, the next film was Spider-Man: No Way Home, 2021. Budget: 200 million. Box office. You sat down, Rob. Of course you are. <laughs> 1.893 billion. It made as much as Endgame. About as much. And as- it cost 200 million, which is not, again, not much money. That is that is quite a runaway success. That is almost ten times. That is over nine times it cost to make it made back. That's an insane amount of money. That is and so that- good. That is something that cannot be replicated by Sony. That's why I didn't want that to be the last example we look at. That cannot be replicated by Sony because of... I mean, sorry, I know Sony were quote-unquote involved, (laughs) um, sat in a corner saying, yeah, go ahead, guys. But that's not something that that, that a Venom or a Morbius movie could ever replicate. No, 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 you've got the star power of the screen and got one of the most recognisable superheroes in the entire world here. And the kind of everyone it was the worst kept secret <laughs> in the in, in in the industry, right? Yeah, so they Tom Holland. They kept all those <laughs> they kept all those things in, but they let you know they, yeah, the buzz around it was not was not 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 something I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah, there was okay. huge, huge buzz around it. Okay, then we have in the same year we have Venom. Let there be carnage. The sequel to Venom cost around the same 110 million. Box office 506.9 million. Still successful, but diminishing returns. But that to me is so. The, the cinema industry has been decimated by the pandemic. People are still not okay. going to the cinemas in the same numbers, except for Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, uh, We're now seeing it with, I think, Top Gun, Maverick. But I think, for me, the, the, the Venom sequel is an indicator of what Sony can expect... What Sony can expect post-pandemic with a release. Roughly five times what they put in. Yeah. Right, you put in a hundred mil, you're taking out five hundred mil, roughly. Okay, yeah, that's a good investment. That's a that, that that seems to me like a reasonable. You've got some of the Spider-Man stuff on it. You've got some of the stuff from the old movie on it in terms of buzz. You can't expect an MCU Spider-Man three-way crossover event, but post-pandemic, when people aren't going out as much, 
a five times investment kind of seems to be what's coming out of the rent. Absolutely. Okay. So now we come on. <laughs> now we come on to Morbius. We've lost him, folks. We've lost him. Lost me. This I'm looking forward to this so much. I want it to last forever. Uh, 2022 this year budget uh, 75 to 83 million. So very. I I can't believe yeah. that. I can. I cannot believe that. I kind of can. Um, but we'll get onto that later. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I, it's not like I looked at the movie and went, "Oh my god, this looks. This is all incredible for how much they spent." I can't believe that they were only going to spend that much money on what on the next instalment of their. Oh, I just couldn't yeah, believe it. Yeah, that's true. That, that 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 does sound a bit like they were hesitant hesitant there of this of this movie. Success. It sounds to me like they didn't spend a lot of money on. Uh, marketing at all i mean yeah. marketing can marketing can end up being you know 50 to 100 if it's you know it can be sometimes a huge amount of the overall cost of, of getting a film into theaters can be the marketing if it costs them eight i mean i i cannot think how much they spent on marketing clearly not a lot because it was not a big deal really was it mm, no no it wasn't a big deal but okay so we have 75 to 83 million on the budget the box office one hundred and sixty-three point three million. That is not good. See, that is not good. What what constitutes a box office bomb, Rob? Well, it's very hard to say. I mean, but I mean, not making your investment back. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, these days, not making your because your investment isn't is not quite just the. It, it, I I don't know. Maybe don't maybe know. only. I thought, doubling it, your money would be okay. I guess. Yeah. So it's so it's meh, it's meh, mm. is, is is what anyone said. So yeah, that's how much money you made back. A bomb, a bomb would be spending eighty three million and making eighty million. Yeah, anything that's below, basically a minus yeah, investment. I, I I I think it's 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 wobbly to call a movie that kind of doubles its money a a, a bomb. Yeah, I I, I, it, I was I was hesitant to call it a bomb because it's like that's still an investment. That's still making money back. I, I I actually I actually imagine they probably have lost money on it though. Um, you reckon? Yeah. I, How does that work? It, I'm trying to remember now. I don't have the I don't have it all in front of me. It's to do with it's to do with all the all the hidden costs mm. um, and whether or not marketing is included in that. Is oh, that the, is that the go. production budget or you know is that the shooting budget? Mm. Is that what it costs to finish the film or is there another? 50 to 80 million that it costs to advertise it as well. Anyway. Yikes. Anyway, moving on to production notes. So, Morbius first appeared on screens in the 90s Spider-Man animated series voiced by Nick Jameson. Due to the stricter guidelines around a children's cartoon, Morbius wouldn't bite anyone. Yes. He couldn't bite anyone. Couldn't bite anyone, couldn't drink blood. Also, the word blood... Uh, could could not be used. Instead, this cartoon Morbius has a series of suckers on his hands, which he uses to drain the plasma from people. That sounds that sounds more horrifying. That sounds Cthulhu esque. Why are you making sucking noises? I'm trying to get. I'm trying to put the audience in the moment. I he think... had all these on his hands, and he just suck your blood right out of you. Did he like a leech? He was he was Morbius the living leech, really. <laughs> oh yeah, because Mor- leeches are famously dead. What the? What did he use it to climb up walls like the suckers, or not? He could just fly. Oh yeah, never mind. 
So yeah, that was his first appearance. Uh, Morbius made multiple appearances in the cartoon, fighting Spider-Man, Punisher, and even Blade. He was popular enough to have two action figures released through the popular Toy Biz Spider-Man toy line as well. Did you? So you didn't see any of this because nope. uh, you would have mentioned it. Um, this was like like I have strong memories of this because he actually had a a, um, a fairly long arc in Spider-Man. Um, he's first introduced as a teenager at the same university mm. he's a regular guy you know me as someone who's read the comics kind of knew what was going to happen we went <laughs> down that line he was he was a, a rival for peter parker's interests in uh i think liz allen yeah um, and and then he's part of the neogenic nightmare saga yeah. which is the the long saga where spidey grows all extra arms and the punisher oh. shows up and blade shows up it's oh. amazing stuff we're going to have to cover that epi- some of those episodes in the future um because it's tons of fun well i did it with x-men I'm, uh, i went through all the animated series of x-men i'm, I'm going to have to do it with spider-man because I, I i i i just feel i have to because there's so much amazing stuff being mentioned um i was going to say something else uh, but I forgot. Um, no, it's completely gone. So Morbius also made a cameo appearance in a deleted scene from the 1998 live-action film Blade, portrayed by director uh, Stephen Norrington. The scene was included as a bonus feature on the DVD release. In the end, Marvel Entertainment denied director Guillermo del Toro the rights to use Morbius in Blade 2. I did not know Guillermo del Toro directed that. Director Blade Two. I had no idea. Yeah, and we need to watch that. We um, we talked about this when we looked at the first Blade movie. Yeah, um, and yeah. actually we had the, the the deleted scene up on our Patreon. Yeah. Um, we we'd managed to get hold of it and download it and put it up. It doesn't. It's not like Morbius comes out looking like a great big vampire. He's mm. a mysterious dude covered head to toe in bandages and a and a and a black kind of coat cape thing. Yeah. And so it could be anybody. And Blade only sees him like from a distance on a rooftop. It's not. That's it's not like ah, oh, where they were just trying to tease something up for the next um, for the next movie. I suppose I just remember what I was going to say. You know, you're talking about the animated series of Spider Man where Morbius pops up and he's a normal person, and it's like, and you know what's going to happen. It's like any time there's a Batman thing, and they go, oh, here's Harvey Dent. You go, ah, oh, we all know what's going to happen next. It's all going to end. In yeah, tears. it's why I absolutely despise. Like I, I watched. Um, one or two episodes of Gotham, and it was so bad. It's terrible. It, it is just introducing a series of Chekhov's guns wandering yes. around. It's just like, <laughs> like is his Edward Nigma, and and he goes. The cop goes to a uh, to um answer a domestic dispute, and the little girl is Harley Quinn. And oh, no, uh, no, it's just, it's, it's, who's the it's, it's the hot dog vendor in the background going to be Bane. What the? What's going on? This is just awful. As, as, aside from Better Call Saul, prequels are nonsense fodder do, for do, lazy people. A friend of mine said, oh, I can't wait till they do an episode that shows how he grows a moustache because it's about Jim Gordon and he hasn't got a moustache yet. It's just, it's all just painful <laughs> introspective laziness oh god it's so true oh god back to the notes in 2000 marvel entertainment entered a joint venture agreement with artisan entertainment 
to turn, as we all know, at least 15 Marvel superhero franchises into live action films, television series, directed video films, and internet projects. This was the emphasis di- emphasis on directed video films. <laughs> I, that was very clearly where it was all going. Do you know what I like about that? They were. It's like there's this there's this graph going downward, and you have live action films, television series, directed video films, and they've managed to find something worse than directed video films called internet projects. In the year 2000, they were going to do an internet project. What are they talking about? They, what look, are they talking about? We're talking about the late 90s, early noughties, where people go, we've got to do more internet stuff. We've got to do stuff on the internet. It's the next big thing. We've got to grab the ball by the horns. Yeah, but how? We don't know. We're going to do just something. Just about watch a five-second clip on the internet of a video in 2000. It was in, in like um, 320 and, resolution. How many times has this artisan deal come up in our show? A handful of times. Yeah, again and again, man. It was this was this was nearly the MCU before the MCU, and thank God it wasn't because we would have had a direct to video Thor movie, low budget Thor film. As we all know, it was the deal that gave us the Thomas Jane Punisher movie, and of course, Man Thing, and yeah, the the classic Man Thing. I don't. uh, Morbius was included in the deal, basically. Uh, In May 2017, Sony announced plans for a new shared universe featuring Spider-Man-related properties, beginning with Venom in October 2018. This was later titled Sony's Spider-Man Universe. Oh, yeah, the the SSMU. Yeah, yeah. We all know about the SSMU, don't we? Uh, why wouldn't they just call it the Spider Verse? Because oh, well, actually they do. They do have the rights to. Well, because it's, it's it's really not the Spider Verse, but you know that's what I would call it if I was an executive. Yeah, but it, it's one of those things where it is and it isn't. The Spider Verse is already a thing anyway. In 2018, Sony president Matt Tolmac confirmed that Morbius would be the second film released as part of Sony's shared universe after Venom. In 2019, Sony announced a new agreement with Disney that extended a previous deal to have Marvel Studios and its president, Kevin Figg, produce a sequel to Far From Home. Kevin Fiji. No, it's it's Fig. <laughs> I don't see any E's in that name, mate. Fage. It's Fig. Kevin Kevin Fage. Kevin Fig. Kevin Fig. <laughs> not not to be confused with Kevin Date uh, or Kevin Prune. Uh, keeping Spider-Man in Marvel's shared universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. As part of the new agreement, Fig stated that moving forward, the MCU Spider-Man would be able to cross cinematic universes and appear in Sony's own shared universe as well. Morbius's first trailer included a brief appearance by Michael Keaton, reprising his role as Adrian Toomes, Vulture, from the co-produced Marvel Studios Spider-Man film, Spider-Man Homecoming. However... Some of the things shown in the Morbius trailer contradicted the events taking place in the MCU Spider-Man movies, so some of Keaton's scenes had to be reshot when the events depicted in Spider-Man No Way Home 2021 did not properly coincide with Morbius. Do you know what these scenes are, Rob? Um, Not exactly off the top of my head, no. Uh, I know he walked past... He walked past um, newspaper. It was basically the whole thing was just a convoluted mess. Yeah. Because so it like Sony are jumping at the gun to go, hey, it's all kind of the same universe now. And then was like, what are you doing? They this is they they had to walk this back. It was publicly embarrassing. Yeah, this is not a good look. It feels like everyone's sat standing in a circle applauding the MCU. 
like the, an MCU's a person sort of going, hey, and then Sonyverse sort of walks into the circle and goes, yay, we're doing a great job, aren't we? And it's like, shut up, Sony. It's so weird. <laughs> it's so weird. A second trailer was then released on November 2nd, 2021, and led to further confusion and speculation about the film's connection to other franchises. Fans and commentators noted that the trailer made references to the Venom films, Sam Raby's Spider-Man trilogy, Mark Webb's The Amazing Spider-Man films, and the MCU Spider-Man films, despite all three franchises being set in different fictional universes leading a lot of commentators to speculate that the Morbius movie did not know where it was meant to be taking place. I don't think the people involved know. I don't think the executives at Sony know what is... I don't think they know that this... that, that, that like that it's not... that the Sam Raimi movies and the Mark Webb movies are different <laughs> different continuities. I don't think they know it's different. To, I don't think they know anything about what's going on. Yeah, it. I, I, I don't want to start slagging off the film too early, but it shows. Uh, like many movies, uh, Morbius. Ooh, no, you, there's there was a, a comment from the director. I oh, think. sorry, there was there was sorry. Uh, prior to the film's theatrical release, director Daniel Espinosa had to clarify in public statements that Morbius is set in the same universe as the Venom films. So that. That's getting it on a string and pulling it back in, I think. It's so embarrassing. It's, it's the second embarrassing. big embarrassing thing they've had to do and, and walk back. Well, first of all, oh yeah, that first trailer, um, it was all nonsense. <laughs> Let's reshoot all the vulture scenes. And then also, just to let you know, guys, um, this, 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 and this don't count anymore. Ugh. I mean, you'd expect this with recent DC films, but... <laughs> yeah, it, more and more, DC and Sony, it, it just seem to display how like how much of a good job Marvel Studios do at yeah. keeping a little group of things in in one you know tight unit. I really hate uh, going out to sideswipe DC because they do occasionally do something great like the Suicide they absolutely Squad do. and yeah. the Batman. But sometimes when you start going on about Zack Snyder's Justice League, it can be a minefield and people come at you. And it's weird to insult. It's it, I have a hard time insulting that because I don't. Bad, want... It's all bad faith actors, man. They're not. They're not real. They're, they're not, not real they're people. Not real people, Rob. They're ants. They're not real people. They're not real. They're they're they're, they're made of gas. Uh, anyway, like many movies, Morbius's release date was delayed by the pandemic, but then it was delayed several times after theaters reopened. Post pandemic, it was scheduled for October eighth, two thousand twenty-one. But when No Time to Die was announced for an October release. Morbius has moved back to January 21st, 2022. Running from it. Running, Running from it. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you're not going to come up against a Bond film. When you know you are an $85 million nothing, you're, there's no point. I, I see this. Did you, did you see No Time to Die, by the way? Uh, I don't think everyone has. Yeah. What did you think? It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit naff, but there were some good moments. Uh, then it got moved. It was moved again to January twenty eighth, two thousand twenty two. So a week. Then, after the success of Spider Man No Way Home, lasting from the end of twenty twenty one into two thousand twenty two, Morbius was delayed again to April first, two thousand twenty two. Yeah, they're now running from the success of the Spider Man thing that this is meant to be connected to, but clearly isn't. Is it possible to feel sorry for a film? <laughs> 
This is like a dog with a wounded leg carrying in an alley. And I'm oh, going, come on, come Morby. on, come on, come, come on, on Morby. Come, come on, it's Morby. okay, Morbs. It's like me when I try to get my cat. <laughs> uh, lastly, during CinemaCon 2022, I had no idea CinemaCon was a thing, uh, Sony announced numerous Marvel projects. Some outlets noted that while Venom 3 and Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse 2024 were announced, there was no announcement for a Morbius sequel, leaving the character's future in question. Wow. Okay. Wow. Feel, feel sorry for a film. You can feel sorry for a film, I'm sure. And now we get, get to the most unique and interesting part of, comes. of what's happened. Here it comes. Which is this mm. this movie trending on Twitter for over a month with no let up. <laughs> um, it started at the release with not all of these. I would say, well, mm, mm, memes does of course kind of mimetic jokes does not necessarily mean pictures, but yeah. we come to understand memes memes to mean created pictures that get shared around and change stuff. But the jokes on like I because I'm not part of these. Uh, poop posting sites like groups that you are oh i'm addicted to the right i was exposed to tons of the jokes like the the twitter jokes about this movie were top class trolling it was a lot of fun you're the man you're the expert to take us through this i mean that's why we could not have picked a more perfect movie really this this morbius thing is marvel and memes i mean will preston is in the hot seat it's the meme cu um (laughs) Anyway, shut up! (laughs) Due to its lacklustre box office performance and sour critical reception, Morbius inspired various internet memes. Polygon wrote that the film became a kind of collective internet hate watch with fans... (laughs) (laughs) With fans sharing memes! Meme poop posts, which ironically praised it. Following its release, the hashtag Morbius Sweep... Morbius Sweep. It's going to sweep the racings. It's going to sweep the box office. Which jokingly claimed Morbius was the most financial and critically successful film of all time began trending. Before we go on, uh, I just remembered something that made me laugh. Uh, Someone pointed out that Mark Kermer, the British film reviewer, said the best thing about this film. Jared Leto isn't even the best Jared in this film. Jared Harris... Ah, right. Jared Harris is in half of the hours of critic. Anyway, users on the film's official Discord server. There's an official Discord server for this film. Sure, why not? It doesn't cost anything to set it up, does it? I have have a Discord server. Never use it. Uh, I stopped using it. Um, The the film's official Discord server users called themselves Morbheads. (laughs) And users engaged in Morbin. On various Discord servers by distributing pirated copies. A large number of channels on live streaming service Twitch began illegally hosting the entire film on repeat. One channel, Morbius 24-7, was banned after acquiring thousands of followers. Morbius piracy spread to other platforms, including Twitter... Where the entire film was posted in a series of 52 two-minute-long videos compressed into a 30-second-long 
this is is insane i've never seen this level of like memeing and in-joking and trolling or or centered around something that is essentially like they are bullying the morbius movie it is kind (laughs) of bullying it's it it, it's joyful because you can't bully a movie who cares who's going to get damaged the rich people involved no so it just it's so there's a there's a gleefulness to the fact that you can kind of get involved and take pleasure in this kind of fun bullying of of a a thing that isn't a person it's it reminds it reminds me of like a down-to-earth comment a friend of mine said when he saw how much money they got spent on Zack snyder's justice league he went there are children starving around the world and they spent money doing this (laughs) yeah it's it's it it makes me laugh but uh, this what i want to know is what started all of this why was it just a collective moment of this it wouldn't be funny if we claimed it was if it was good it started with the empty empty cinemas that's empty how it was. Cinema. I'm, I'm fairly yeah. fairly certain yeah. it started with all the pictures of the empty cinema there we and go. people then went on from that that's that i can see that leap that step from that to no you're wrong it's the most popular like that's how it because it was it was people saying um this is the most popular Marvel movie i've been to in years Take, snapping a selfie with a completely empty screen. Because um, I think that's how it started. That is so, a cinema, to me, is such a hyperbole when it comes to unpopular, unpopularness. It's just, to actually see it is just something else. But yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, so, additionally, viral fake news posts claiming that a Morbius sequel had been greenlit as a result of the <laughs> internet memes spreading on Twitter, leading to Morbius 2 to trend on the website, in addition to the phrase... <laughs> it's Morbin time. Trending on Twitter for a week. The meme parodies the wild enthusiasm often seen in Marvel fans. The joke being that Morbius is a mediocre, forgettable comic book movie, but is celebrated online as a critically acclaimed masterpiece. I I I don't I'm I that that feels like that's is that your statement or from somewhere? So I think it was from somewhere. I don't agree with that wholeheartedly. I think sometimes that's like an editorial statement where the editor says something as if it's a fact when it's actually an opinion. Mm. I think that yeah, part of the meme, part of the of 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 the memes were this thing of oh the enthusiasm around a superhero movie. Uh, let's make fun of that. I also think a huge amount of it was people. Everybody knows these Sony movies are terrible are crap and it was like that was part of that was part of it it was mocking how bad these sony movies are in a world where the marvel movies are universally celebrated and make billions i think that was another aspect of it i I don't think everyone was on the same page particularly with the reason for why they were doing it roughly same ballpark but yeah I, i totally got what you mean Despite the film flopping at the box office, Morbius fans like to pretend <coughs> that the film has made a more billion dollars. <laughs> it's the first time they said it was the first movie to make like eight billion, and then they were like, "No, you're wrong. It's a more billion." It was just yeah. like, you'll never see it. I don't think we'll ever see this again for a while. Uh, no. Raving about the film's imaginary success via the hashtag Morbius Sweep. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the um, the the gamer. Uh, stocks and shares thing to the moon oh when that all started pre pre like the nft crypto boom yeah when when it was okay was it game is it it's the shop called GameStop? 
GameStop. Yes, I remember when this. When yeah. everybody on Reddit went, yeah. hey, GameStop's closing because it hasn't got any money. And everyone bought GameStop shares. And this was driving this huge thing that had big real-world ramifications. But it was all done as a laugh. It was essentially meme stocks and shares. <laughs> and the, the tags and the, you know, to the hashtag to the moon was just this thing of, yeah, we're going we're gonna to make GameStop the most profitable company <laughs> on the NASDAQ. Wasn't there kind of like a, a nice element about this because basically some someone bought stock and we're going to like pump and dump it or something or do something terrible that would really screw them over? They didn't pump. Yeah, they didn't pump and dump. That was it. Was it was all based on kind of humour and also I think no, they no, started- no, not the people, not the people okay. getting in on the joke. I mean, in before everybody jumped in, like proper investors were going to basically. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know the story. No, that I remember well. reading about this, and that was it. Was like that. So the part of part of this whole thing was we're going to save GameStop and everyone from these terrible people, right. terrible headphone managers or whatever they are. <clears throat> uh, the memes are usually a play on the words Morbius as a verb, as in it's morbid time. A play on the power phrase, power rage as catchphrase, it's morphin' time. Or oh God, this sounds like my dad explaining it to me. What's going on? <laughs> All right, Rob. Come. The, the memes are usually a play on the word of Morbius. Uh, funny in thing case I you read. Got it, guys. When we said it's morbing time, that was actually a play on the word Morbius. <laughs> it's like someone accidentally pressed the red button during a music video and the facts coming up. I didn't want to know about that, about Tears for Fears. Uh, Tell me about your favourite memes, Will. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the favourite memes now, yeah. Uh, Morbius isn't a flop. It's the highest grossing Morbius film of all time. <laughs> Morbius, Morbius is the most popular baby name of 2022. 200% on Rotten Tomatoes. That was a big one. I saw that. Yeah. It was the first movie to ever get a double perfect score on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Morbius in New York. Hey, I'm Morbin here. I don't like that one. No, like Boo. That. Boo. My, my doctor just told me I'm Morbiusly a beast. That's so terrible. <laughs> this is my absolute favourite one. My wife loves it too. The, the sequel. Morbius 2. Morbius. <laughs> <laughs> this was quite clever. Morbius 2. Batman versus Batman. No, it's not. I no. like that it's one. It's a bad one. Boo. Uh, the one, you know that one of the meme where it's the predator arm thing and it shows it's two different things and what they're connected by? Two things coming together. Two things U- coming United together. by a common element. DC's worst film plus Marvel's worst film, Jared Leto. <laughs> Dracula from Castlevania, Symphony of the Night, saying it's morbid time. That's only something nine people will get. That was stupid. It shouldn't be on the list. And they shouldn't all, be on the list, Will. And they will all sign up to Patreon when we refer to <laughs> Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Uh, breaking news. Matt Smith admitted to ICU after crazy spine trauma after covering Morbius so heavily on his back. Get well soon, Doc. 100% accurate meme as well. That's 100 that's completely what happens in this movie. I I will say I I didn't enjoy his performance, didn't think it was his best, but yeah. It's he, the best performance in this movie. It's the best performance in this <laughs> comparatively, yes. It's hilarious to me that Morbius is the movie everyone openly pirates and posts everywhere to the point where there's a Twitch channel for 24/7 Morbius viewing. Okay, that was a bit of a naff one to end on. But anyway, back to the back to the okay. Morbin oh, time. That fact. was just a statement. Uh, sometimes memes are statements, Rob. Okay. The amazing part of the story is that Sony completely misread the situation and thought the memes meant that the movie was popular. 
popular. They thought these were genuine. They thought this was a genuine outpouring of support. Absolutely. And Sony then re-released the film back into a thousand cinemas for another week, only for it to make back a total of $85,000. Crunch the numbers for me, Will. What does that mean? Well, Rob, to put that into perspective, (laughs) that is, per cinema, $85. How much does it cost to see a cinema to film in the cinema uh, per person in the that, US? I think that means there's less than eight people went to see it per less cinema. Less than eight people in a week. <laughs> Many outlets claim that the film bombed, having done so a second time. If that means it just does me, Rob, that Morbius is the only film to bomb twice in the cinema. I think. I think. I, I can't imagine there'd be another. Yeah, it's got it's it's a history making movie. <laughs> this is a red letter day, people. Red it was Morbin time that that the Morbin week. Uh and finally on a rather uh, a rather negative moment, Jared Leto managed to single-handedly crash the meme into oblivion. Like all memes do, they all got to come to an end. By posting a clip of himself on Twitter reading a fate script titled Morbius 2. <clears throat> It's Morbin time, followed by the theme music from Curb Your Enthusiasm. I just explained to us why, why, like, why, why would that crash the joke? Because the joke was at his expense. Yes, it was. It, and now he's pretending that it doesn't. I mean, it definitely one hundred percent hurt his feelings for months. Yeah, <laughs> but you can't admit he's got to pretend it doesn't hurt his feelings, and now he's pretending he's in on it to go with the cool kids. Like so, Jared Leto has feelings. That's, um, <laughs> that's it. That's the end, man. That's the end. <laughs> Let's go behind the page now to understand how we got to this insane place <laughs> where fans online. Bully a movie, <laughs> the movie company put it back in the cinema, and 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 it bombs for a second time. Let's take a look at the the the, the history of, of 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 horror comics. Um, cool, because that's really where this where this starts. Um, we've talked before about how the the superhero comic as a concept kind of died in popularity after the the Second World War. Yeah, aside from like Superman and and, and Batman. Um, and, and and a couple of others that really it, it, after the after the Second World War forty five superhero comics just weren't popular anymore. Mm-hmm. And in this in this vacuum, we saw a rise of the other comics, the competitors that were still there during the war: cowboy comics, um, romance comics, which were always popular. Um, but nothing flourished in the kind of late forties and the fifties like horror comics. Yeah. Um, EC Comics was a, a publisher that published um, massively famous books like Tales from the Crypt, um, which would feature gore, bloodshed, and truly horrifying stories. I think there I have are... a future collection of some of these old comics as well, some mm. big, big volume of all the... And you do get these early ones where it's like, bloody hell, there was a lot of violence in here. There are very famous covers depicting yeah. um, men being buried alive, yeah. screaming for their life, um, a, a woman's decapitated head being carried by an axe murderer. Mm. So the axe murderer is holding 
her hair mm. as the head dangles from the hair yes. her eyes rolled up in there it's gruesome and these are on newsstands all over america right next to mickey mouse and <laughs> comics um that there was no regulation of this industry um and that led to a, a, a big public outcry um over over comics not just horror comics but they were certainly the the, the biggest thing that that detractors could point at and say it's a dirty industry it's a dirty business right and this public outcry uh, became led by a psychiatrist called um frederick uh, wortham who wrote a book called the seduction of the innocent which is about how dangerous and dirty and corrupting comic books were uh, wortham said that all comic books were corrupting the youth of america he leveled allegations that like Batman and Robin was um, a secret gay coding (laughs) and Captain America and Bucky were secret gay lovers and that's what these books were promoting. Um, They were promoting homosexuality and in some ways pedophilia as well and violence. But but the the big baton that he he used to bash comics with with, was... um, were, were horror comics that now this happens to like this happens to rock and roll around the same time. Yeah. Elvis was a, was satanic hips that were corrupting the youth of America. Like TV gets it as well, and all that kind of stuff. Like it comes around. Uh, calling his hips satanic and corrupting youth of America is somehow a compliment. Mm. <laughs> but horror comics were the big deal. Were the big thing that could be pointed at in this in this. In this situation, Christian groups um, objected on religious grounds to the the depictions of the supernatural stories, and they were targeted as being satanic. Uh, and that's a very big deal. That would be a very big deal, probably anywhere in the in the forties and fifties, especially in America, which you know we always have to remember when we're in the UK and Europe that America's relationship to um, religion. Uh, is is uh, somehow more vehement and stronger uh, when it comes to censorship and things than it is, I think, in 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 Europe, post the war anyway, post the Nazi yeah. buying. This was like a big deal. Like there were public burnings of comic books in cities all across America. Oh, boy. Um, Oklahoma City and Houston, Texas, banned the sale of crime and horror comics. Outlawed EC comics. Um, you couldn't get a, a comic book about an FBI agent or a ghost or a vampire. Vampire comics banned. Um, and then in 1954, uh, the Senate Subcommittee on Juvenile Delinquency was 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 put together, and they held hearings. Senate Subcommittee hearings investigating comic books, um, and not all of this is unwarranted. Mm. Now, the outrage and the moral panic is is a bit crazy to look back at from this era, but I don't think. <laughs> Depictions of decapitations and stuff should probably be next to Mickey Mouse comics, and should there shouldn't there was no age limit on a kid buying yeah. a gruesome story like that. Um, it's not necessarily for me to say, but I'm I think we have as a as a sophisticated society we've realised there should be age limits on other types of media, and there weren't on comic books. Um, the 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 end result of this was the the comic book industry creating a self-regulatory body. They were essentially told um, by the American government, by the, the, the result of the Senate subcommittee hearings were, 
you regulate yourselves or we will regulate you mm. and no industry i mean america america in general is not keen on on big government getting involved in regulating <laughs> business so that's not something that they want to do unless it suits them and no industry wants to have regulation imposed on them by an outside agency by a government so the 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 comic book industry came together and they all had to pay to create something that was palpable to the the American people and to the American government, and that was the Comic Code Authority, um, a regulatory body that was there to basically clean up the image of comic books as an industry and 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 kind of ensure that people were happy for their kids to go to a newsstand and buy them. And this authority uh, bans the depiction of vampires outright: werewolves, ghouls, zombies, ghosts. And vampires are banned from comic books. Supernatural comics and characters are dead and buried. Horror comics are dead as of 1954. And it took 17 years for these rules to be relaxed with supernatural characters and stories. We get into the 60s and we see um, a huge rise in, in the number of supernatural characters in the public eye. In like the mainstream, like Dracula, Frankenstein, the Mummy, the Werewolf—they're big business in the cinema, thanks to the smash hit Hammer horror movies. Mm. But those are still not things you kids—you want your kids to go and see. You don't want to see Christopher Lee and, Bella and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of <laughs> you know blood and partial nudity and things like that. But at the same time, in the '60s, you've got gentle mainstream primetime TV shows like The Monsters, The Adam Family. And bewitched, all of which are presenting presentations of witches and ghouls and ghosts and zombies and vampires. But in a, they're kind of proving that these supernatural characters can be portrayed in stories for for entertainment purposes and not be gruesome, not be satanic, and not turn kids into killers who are obsessed with the devil. Um, <laughs> and that's a massive help to the to, to the to the comic book cause in this in yeah. this aspect. So in February of, of, of 71, the Comic Book Code Authority, the Comic Code Authority, sorry, updates their, their rules and their, and their guidelines, and they lift the ban on vampires and other supernatural characters. Mm. And this, of course, immediately pricks up the ears of Mr. Stan Lee, who <laughs> sees a way to turn a quick book, um, get some popular characters in, you know, popular Characters that you can see they're popular from the movies. You can see that these things are popular from TV. Let's get them into Marvel. He wants to immediately bring some of these supernatural characters to life in the Marvel Universe. The company were, according to Roy Thomas, who was uh, Stanley's right-hand man, they were making plans to use Dracula, as they would eventually do. The Tomb of Dracula um, was a massive, massive comic for Marvel in the 70s. But they wanted to test the waters first to ease into this okay. to see if the comic code authority and the comic buying public really were ready for some horror themed stories and characters in the wake of the book burnings of the 50s and the <laughs> the moral panic so stanley didn't want a true vampire to be introduced marvel were going to they were still gun shy about how religious groups would react to the undead in yeah. comic books. And so Morbius was Marvel testing the waters. That makes a so vampire, much sense. A vampire that wasn't a vampire. Yeah. Marvel were very, very explicit that there was nothing supernatural, 
nothing undead or satanic about this Morbius character. This was another science fiction character, just like Spider-Man, and would in fact debut in Spider-Man. Every time Morbius appeared on the front cover, he's always called the living vampire because the undead was a very bad um, term that was used on them and, and had lots of negative connotations. To get ahead of all this satanic criticism, the living vampire is used again and again. I had the feeling that a lawyer got involved to help them with that. <laughs> it may, maybe, yeah, or, or maybe Stanley's a very savvy dude. Yeah, I, yeah, um, it just does sound. It does sound like a very loophole decision. Morbius was created by um, Roy Thomas and artist Gil Kane in an issue of, of, of Amazing Spider-Man. It is, in fact, the very first issue of Amazing Spider-Man to not be written by Stan Lee. No the way. very first issue to be written by somebody other than Stan Lee. It's written by Roy Thomas. And if I might say, it's dated because it's the, it's the 70s. Roy Thomas writes the hell out of Peter Parker's dialogue in that. <laughs> it's hard to explain, but it is full of little um, quips, jokes, um, yelling at himself, references. He really goes for it with that. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, they, 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 Thomas and Kane created the character as a, a man given pseudo vampire powers rather than this scientifically rather than supernaturally. Mm. Gil Kane, the 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 artist, based the the face and the, the 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 character's look of Morbius on an actor called Jack Palance. Now, Jack Palance is probably you might know him. Um, he's from one of the greatest Western movies of all time, Shane, and he's also um, Curly in City Slickers. Won the Oscar for that at the end of his career, towards mm. the end of his life, in fact. Um, Jack Palance had never played a vampire before. But then two years after Morbius was created, Jack Palance played Dracula in an influential TV movie called Bram Stoker's Dracula, which oh. I always thought was a neat bit of... He wouldn't... I doubt, I doubt he ever knew he was the inspiration for the, for the design of Morbius, but then he goes on to play a full, a full vampire, I think just two years later. I've only seen Jack Palance in a few things, and he's always got that evil, sinister sheen to him, doesn't he? Um... Not in City Slickers. Not, not in City Slickers. Okay, I'm thinking more of like in Batman. His two, Osc that. His two big Oscar movies, no. no. Okay. <laughs> a sidebar on this TV movie, Bram Stoker's Dracula, that has nothing to do with Morbius, but bear with me. Okay. This is the movie... This TV movie is the very first time that a fictional story comes up with the idea of making Dracula and the real-life Vlad the Impaler the same person. Oh, Good. And it's just a TV movie, and it was. It's written and directed by uh, I forget his name now, but it's the creator of Dark Shadows, that mm. vampire soap opera that's terrible and people love. Um, and it heavily, heavily influences the Francis Ford Coppola Keanu Reeves Dracula movie. Um, What's your opinion on that Dracula movie? I enjoy it despite things. Yeah, same. <laughs> it's camp as hell, but I love it. Yeah. 
So this uh, once this TV movie came out and introduced this idea, Coppola ran with that. Coppola called his movie Bram Stoker's Dracula's, just like the TV movie is called. Um, this was the first movie uh, to depict um, Dracula as having this twisted, tortured um, love affair and pining for this woman over all these centuries, and now she's resurrected in a new form. That's all there in this TV movie with Jack Palance, and Coppola takes all of that for his movie. <laughs> anyway... Sidebar over. Um, <laughs> after so Morbius is just he's he's a he's a, a villain of the month um, in the Spider-Man comics. And after several of those appearances, he 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 goes on to star in something called Vampire Tales, which is one of Marvel's black and white horror magazines. Ah, oh, yes, you've mentioned the, these. Yeah, the black and white magazines, uh, they're published by something called Curtis Magazines, which is just an, a, a subdivision of Marvel. Um, uh, so it's a, a magazine and not a comic book, which means it doesn't fall under the purview of the Comic Code Authority. Hmm. That allows the, the titles to feature stronger content, um, profanity, partial nudity, graphic violence... That's where Howard the Duck gets his first kind of uh, start as an as an, an an insane zany character. Moon Knight as well gets um, gets his start in the black and white magazine trades, um, and they published that like between seventy three and seventy five. And uh, I think Morbius is in pretty much every every single uh, Vampire Tales with his own black and white um, comic book, which can have blood in it. It can have him biting people's throats. It can have mm. some of that going on in there. And after his first um his first kind of vampire tale stories, Morbius becomes the star of his own um bi monthly Marvel comic, twice twice every two months, not every month, called it Adventure into Fear. Ooh. Um and it it's where Man Thing um and How the Duck got their start as well. Um, but it has a very long title when Morbius is in it because it becomes Adventure Interfere with Morbius the Living Vampire. That's the full title of the comic. <laughs> um, and he has some wacky adventures in uh, in Adventure Interfere written by How the Duck creator Steve Gerber. Um, so he's in this adult black and white horror magazine, Vampire Tales, and he's also <laughs> in Adventure Interfere doing some wacky trans-dimensional stuff at the same time. Uh, but... 1975, both Vampire Tales and Adventure into Fear are both cancelled. Hmm. And 75 marks the end of Morbius being a leading Marvel character for about 17-odd years. A very long time. Hmm. He, he has sporadic appearances throughout the, the, the rest of those decades. But Morbius is revived in the 90s, all thanks to Ghost Rider. Um, ah, yes, that would be a good connection. So the 1980s had seen a rise in popularity again of, of horror and the supernatural. We think of like Stephen King and Dean Koontz being mega stars in the 80s and the 90s. Um, 80s cinema was packed with everything from Hellraiser to The Lost Boys to Ghost Rider. You know, family, um, pure horror and then supernatural horror themes and characters being used as more action adventure rather than horror horror hmm. um and and as we discussed before this has led to a a huge resurgence and uh, well the launch of a brand new ghost rider character danny ketch and this ghost rider is much more tied to the the more modern urban supernatural hellraiser stephen king horror than than um that was very popular at the time yeah 
Ghost Rider becomes one of Marvel's top, most popular characters alongside Wolverine and, and, and Punisher. He is spun off into cartoons and, and video games and toys. Mm. And on the back of Ghost Rider's popularity, Marvel decide to launch a whole new line, like half a dozen new supernatural horror-themed comic books. They're all going to be in the same like division. Um, they would all cross over and have their own adventures together and stuff. And this special little section of the Marvel Universe, this imprint, was called the Midnight Suns. Ah. The big R from Will there. You're well, thinking of a video game, aren't you? Yeah, because it's now available for pre-purchase uh, the other day. It's announced, but I'm not bothering that till October when it comes out. But I'm looking forward to that game. That game's spelt differently for some reason. It's spelt Midnight Suns. S U N, but there we I, go. I don't mind. Uh, so Marvel put all their supernatural characters together under this same banner, this same imprint. Mm. So you had all these separate comic books with all these separate supernatural horror themed characters doing their adventures, but all driving towards the same story. And then every now and then they would the characters would come together, form a team called the Midnight Suns. And have a big crossover event, just mm. like the MCU. So, Ghost Rider and Johnny Blaze are in it. The two, the two Ghost Riders, essentially, along with Doctor Strange, um, some characters from uh, the Tomb of Dracula, including Blade and and Morbius is there as well as a as a big part of that. And Morbius gets this big, big resurgence um, and this complete re retooling. Um, Nineteen ninety two, we get the the, the second. Um, Morbius series is launched returning Morbius to his status as like a main character but he's completely mm. retooled with a stronger connection to supernatural and horror um, he actually becomes a supernatural character for the first time he gets fitted out with this very 90s all leather goth inspired outfit with straps <laughs> and buckles on it um, he, he becomes he stops being a villain and becomes a a hero for the first time. Mm. It's kind of discovered that he he had this insanity for for every other time we've seen him, which drove him to be a monster, to be a to be a villain. And now he's he's lost that, and he's he's um, kind of being himself for the first time. And he receives a brand new set of powers, and he and he sets out to kind of stalk the streets of New York as a uh, an urban vigilante anti-hero that drinks the blood of bad guys and killers and stuff. And this series would only last uh, three or four years, which is a pretty good period of time, really, in comic books. And it leaves an indelible mark on on comic book fans. Morbius is still fondly thought of from this era, um, where he is this kind of... Yeah, modern horror character with a with a with a supernatural bent rather than just a scientific mm. thing, sci-fi thing. He becomes way more of a monster of the month for Spidey to beat up. He becomes a much more fleshed out, sophisticated modern Marvel anti-hero. We have never before had such a huge response to uh, the topic of one of our episodes. This is really. Uh, electrified the listeners and, and everyone out there that, that, that loves the show and everyone has got an opinion and they've all sent them to Willie P so what have we caught in our big mailbag um, this, this week about Morbius Will? 
Oh man, so much to get through. So much to get through. First of all, yeah. If you've, got- you've sorry, if you've written, we we've had lots of letters about the t-shirts. We've had lots of letters about the the Patreon. We've just had to put that on the back burner and just focus on Morbius for this for this one. Okay, sorry. T-shirt stuff will be next time, people. Next time. Sam said, "I'm fully expecting to get judged for this, but I actually saw Morbius. Sorry, I actually enjoyed Morbius. Yes, it could have been better." But since I was young and saw Morbius in the 90s Spider-Man cartoon, I've always liked the character. So seeing him on the big screen was a nice bit of nostalgia for me. Was it perfect? No. Far from it. I still think it was a solid 6 out of 10. Thank you, Sam. Yeah, a lot of people like remember fondly that, that 90s series um, and, and the wide cast of, of, of really cool, fun characters that, that Spidey has got. Um, it's kind of a shame this movie wasn't a bit more of fun. <laughs> yeah. Also, I I really love uh, the the use because I I say this as well. Solid six out of ten. Where it's it's it's, it's there's no way, fairer way of summing up a film. A solid six out of ten. It's not good. It's not great. It's not middling, but it's all right. You know, it's it's. I I just enjoy saying that when I'm not sure. I think this film very much is middling. I don't. I I I think it's- I I. I I, my my standard is five out of ten is an average movie. An average movie means I did not turn it off <laughs> because I didn't like it. Uh, yeah. That's what I, a movie should. A movie should make me. A mo- I should at no stage should I go. I'm going to turn this off and find something else on Netflix, right? Mm. Or I'm going to talk to a friend now, or play a game, or do some work. I can't say I, 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 honestly that about this movie because I was watching it for work. But it didn't. It didn't feel like it didn't feel like it was above average, um, Sam. Which is what you're saying. Six out of ten is an above average movie. <laughs> is this an above average movie? I don't know. You're not uh, asking the it, right person, mate. I'm incredibly biased. Mikey W said, "I could happily, I could have happily lived my my life never watching this movie. But then you went and announced that you were going to be covering <laughs> it. So that put enter that." That's all, right, Mikey. Yeah, we, 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 we drag you through the mud along with us. We drag you down. That's what we do, people. I was already a little familiar with the character, thanks to the Spider-Man animated series. And I thought Jared Leto was good in the Dallas Buyers Club and interesting in Suicide Squad. So how bad could this really be? Well, do you know what? It's not awful. Don't get me wrong. It isn't a good film, but it isn't as bad as everyone is making out. I enjoyed the first third of the movie before he gets his powers. It felt like they actually put some effort into ugh, some effort into the writing to compensate for the lack of set pieces and explosions. However, as soon as the powers arrive, the movie becomes rather dull and insipid. Matt Smith plays the same charming, creepy, mysterious character that he's played in everything since leaving Doctor Who, agreed, but at least looks like he's having uh- fun. It's exactly the same character that he plays in Doctor Who. <laughs> 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 Matt, I love yes. Matt Smith's Doctor. He's my favourite. I, I, I think it's brilliant. But Matt Smith's Doctor is charming, creepy and mysterious. That's the whole... That's his bag. I mean, um, uh, he managed to do uh, one of those when he played Prince Philip in The Crown. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if this character is charming, particularly. I, I, think, um, I think that's a code word meaning British. Uh, very good, Will. <laughs> But I think I I think uh, Mikey W I think we're on roughly the same page. I don't yeah I think it this well, well I think the movie really falls off the wagon. I think I enjoyed the first half of this movie or maybe two thirds and the last third I didn't 
enjoy particularly. But um, I think we're on roughly the same page, man. Man, I'm so looking forward to talking about this. Uh, we're talking about it right now, Will. That's what we're doing with our mouths and our uh, brains. Well, I'm talking about how I feel. You want to get to your pre-prepared comments. That's what you want to do. You want to, well, you want to get to the things you wrote down earlier I just, that you want to zap me with. Sometimes <laughs> in this modern, fast-paced world, the only thing that will bring you true happiness is yelling into a microphone. Uh, anyway, he continues. But at least it looks like he's having fun, unlike Leto's dreary and tortured method acting. The ending felt rushed, so rushed that I didn't realise it had ended until the credits started to roll. And what on earth is going on with the mid-credit scenes? Oh. So- Sony really are determined to do some kind of Sinister Six movie, aren't they? All in all, the best I can say is that Morbius is meh, or as I will say, Mepius. <laughs> That's what I would say. Thank you very much for that, Mikey W. And we have John Kerr. Who said, I enjoyed it. Damn it. I really liked how the dialogue. <laughs> sapping your energy to see people who didn't hate this film. I just like it when people agree with me. Uh, I really liked how dynamic the character movements were during fights and flights. I also liked the brutality. Was a nice change from other Marvel movies. The plot is. I have no idea what he's talking about there. I appreciate- Where is the brutality in this movie? Well, he did. Kill those people on a boat and then drunk. People get killed in people get killed in all superhero movies all the time. Yeah, but with his bare hands and he's a vampire. No, 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 no. People get killed in super killed by bad guys in superhero movies all the time. I think there's a little bit of bad faith going on here by John Kerr. I think I'm decoding some of this, and it feels like he's saying I don't like superhero movies, and this one was good because it uh, there was no brutality in this movie. There was none. It was a regular movie with deaths and fights in it Jonker if you write in again which I hope you do not <laughs> I'm kidding just um, I'm, I'm kidding with that when you fight <laughs> if you do write in again John be sure to pick the right words specifically the words that Rob agrees with <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying. The I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm taking the mick out of. We're about to hear how wrong we all are by you shortly. So you know. No, no, I think I'm right. Uh, was a nice change from the other Marvel movies. The plot no, itself wrong. was wrong. super, super. Shut up. Super formulaic, but it was a nice escape from reality for ninety minutes. <laughs> I don't think a story about a disabled vampire superheroes needed to be profound anyway. <laughs> I don't think any of the actors had a standout performance. In fact, I think the child actors of the main two were more likable than the adults. Interesting. I cannot quote a single line of dialogue. None of it was that important. Funnily enough, the most famous line associated with the film was never said. It's Morbin time. Not something I'd feel the need to watch again, but I like it could be setting up a Sinister Six movie. Do you think right. it is going to set up a Sinister Forget Six? Forget that for a minute. The plot is super formulaic. I don't think any of the actors did a good job. I can't quote a single line of dialogue from this movie. None of it was important. I really enjoyed this film. John Kerr, what are you on? Are you a <laughs> professional contrarian? What's happening? You want to say this is a good movie because everyone's saying it's a bad movie, and then you've got all these things about how it's... I don't know what's going on could, with him. Could, could I... Um, this reminds me, I went to see the new Jurassic Park film with my brother and my mum, and they were sort of defending it, even though I pointed out objectively what was bad about it to the point where they agreed. And then I think my brother essentially said, oh, Will, you don't understand. It, it, good, good films don't need to be good. 
I've seen that a lot centered around recent movies. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. and then, and then a I was, lot of this. You, if you go in expecting a good movie, you're not going to enjoy yourself. Yeah, cool. Yeah, sounds like a, I'm going to really well spent fifteen quid. Then, eh? Yeah, exactly. And then, and then it was like, oh, this movie's been really reviewed badly, you know, because of bad scripts and everything. And my mum was like, who cares? And I'm like, well, these people obviously care. The ones reviewing it badly, anyway. Anyway, I love them to bits, but we disagree slightly on Jurassic Park. Zach Thomas has uh, haven't haven't seen it. Probably won't unless it's a joke. Maybe it I'll watch joke, it yeah. before <laughs> this episode. I absolutely love the memes that are coming out from it, though. I think it's incredibly hilarious that Sony is bringing it back to theaters, thinking the fans actually like it. But yeah, anyways, Morbius is the highest grossing movie of all time, smashing all box office records, kicking names and taking ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the highest grossing uh, Morbius movie of all time. I think we can all agree on that. I yeah. can't remember the last time that two men named Jared were in a film together, so... He loves that fact, folks. He loves it. Two Jareds. Well, well I, I guarantee we're going to hear that uh, trivia again once more before the end of this uh, episode. But two, we're going to have a third. You're absolutely dead to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> King Canuck. The only experience I had with the character at all is his appearance in the Spider-Man 3 video game. The game's plot is padded out with a gang war subplot and Morbius's wife uh, was magically driving him to attack people as part of a gang's mystic-themed antics. He had a whole boss fight that involved functional, functionally matador tactics. I remember it being quite fun. I have no comment on the movie, because like most of the people making fun of it, I haven't watched it, but from the clips of his Ooh, actual... Burn! 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 <laughs> but from the clips of his actual powers, I've seen they don't look that terrible in action. I agree. I, I, I remember the, the great Spider-Man 2 video game. They, and actually all three Spider-Man um, games based on the films, they would pad it out with so many different villains. So you get well, more they'd have of to. Yeah. They'd have to. Like you had Mysterio, Venom, Black Cat. You had so many different people in there popping up. It was great. Peter J wrote it as well. Peter J, I, wrote, I watched Morbius and I don't think it was as bad as everyone has been saying. Did it rely heavily on being a film from 20 years ago? Yes. Yes, God, it did. didn't it just, yeah. Did it need a better script? Probably. Was it a bog-standard origin movie? Well, yes. I personally think that it suffered from be- being neither a full-on vampire movie or a full-on comic book movie. It seemed to try and sit in between both those things. Agreed. Right. Before we carry on, yeah, isn't that how Blade really succeeded? Blade didn't try to be like kind of a a comic book superhero movie. Mm. Blade was just a badass action movie with vampire stuff in. Like it wasn't trying to do an origin story. Like yeah. you know what I mean. It wasn't trying to serve two masters. But this it, is before it, we it was had like this comic- is about this is a movie about um, how badass Wesley Snipes is. <laughs> That's what this film is about. Um, yeah, I think Peter Pete Jay's nailed 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 something about this. Yeah. It, it's this feels like a movie created by committee. I mean, a story I will created by committee. Agree with that. Yes. Yeah. However, I like the visual effects. I like the two lead actors. I was entertained for the duration of the film, and really, it's on a par with a bunch of other comic book or vampire movies. Is it great? No. But is it awful? Also, no. It's probably really, really average. 
I think that, unfortunately, this movie goes some way to showing us that there could have been a really great Morbius movie, but that it's not this one. So maybe the sequel or the reboot will be great. Anyway, the real reason they made this movie is so it could become part of the MVMCU, Marvel vs. Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> and we, the Versaversians, will get a great episode with some lovely Morbius facts and trivia, and Will can talk about memes. As always, love you guys and all the work you put in for my entertainment. Thank you, Peter J. The best of the best. Um... I don't think I don't think we could have I don't think we could have got a great Morbius I don't think we should have had a Morbius movie. I think Morbius should we be should... a great character popping up in someone else's movie. Right. So when you get uh, when you get the next Spider-Man film, if it had Morbius in there, you could tell all the Morbius stuff you wanted to tell in that one Morbius movie where he's the antagonist to Spider-Man. Mm. You have his origin, you have his twisted, you have his romance, or yeah. his broken heart, you have how bad he feels, you have his getting his powers and her misunderstood. You get all of it. Why would you need a whole other movie where I, I don't, I don't, well, you, I, the reason is you want to try and make a more billion dollars uh, based <laughs> on the intellectual properties you slightly kind of have access to because you're jealous you don't have the rest of Marvel. Sometimes you need to tell the Morb origin story. Oh. <laughs> That was very good. Thank I liked it. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't know where you're going with that because you did the uh, little choking of oh, Will's just took a dump on. The no, desk. a lot of a lot of your your jokes do make me choke first. Yeah, that's just that's why know. that's why I come to you when they need improving, Rob. <laughs> choke him down. Choke him down. Michael Doyle wrote him said personally i quite enjoyed it what this is we've had so many letters where everyone's just going believe it or not i didn't hate this film <laughs> that's a real i thing. think that's because the hate is just hype the hate is the, is, is the hype, hate is yeah. just all hype and so people when they watch this movie when oh they're going to hate watch this how bad is this going to be it's going to be awful and they go oh it's just an average movie it's not it's not hor- I think, like I, they, I think people wanted it to be kind of really embarrassingly bad, and it wasn't. It was just an average film. I think that is the best way to watch a film. I think that is the best way to watch. If you go in with low expecta- low expectations, and it turns out to be better, you feel. I remember when I went to see Inglorious Bastards, and I got told by a few people at the office I worked in, "Oh, it's rubbish, it's rubbish." And then it's like, "Oh my god, that was probably the best Quentin Tarantino film I've ever seen." When I saw it at the cinema, and I, 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 I loved it because my expectations were so. You don't like that film, do you? Uh, it, uh, it, it, saying Inglorious Bastards is the best question. It's just an insane statement. I know. It's I an know insane, how insane statement. To me, it's his best. You're wrong. Are you going to say universe, No. Well, any, any, any. Well, Reservoir Dogs of Pulp Fiction are very, very clearly some of the greatest. I mean, anyway, we don't have time for all of this, but it's Ed, an insane statement to me. I make. love it so much. Anyway, sure. Michael Dawes says, uh, different from the more recent superhero movies, a little darker and grittier, but not too much. All in all, the performance of Leto and Smith was fine. Nothing how else. Is, again, again, Michael Doyle, how is this movie darker and grittier than more recent superhero movies? What are you talking about? Because 90% of it takes place at night. Right. <laughs> okay. That's what I figured out. Um, all the Zack Snyder movies were shot very... I mean, they're all dark. They're all gritty. Yeah. I mean, I don't know no, what these no, people no are talking about. No one's making quips. 
There's no talking raccoons. It takes place. Maybe at night. maybe they mean Marvel movies. Maybe that's what they mean. Yeah. Nothing outstanding, but also not bad. The plot was pretty predictable, but as an origin story, it was a good introduction without going over the top with a dragged out story. Would I watch it again? Probably, but I would. I, but I would rush to do it. Uh, I wouldn't rush. I think he meant to say. Hmm. Does it deserve the hate it got? Definitely not. Nowhere near as bad as they made it out. I don't know. Is is that hate? Does it does he mean the memes? Because I think I think the memes were worth it if there was a bit of hate. <laughs> and finally, we got a very probably our shortest letter we've ever had. Mike Carter said, "It's a great film from 2002." Well, that's bang on, isn't it? Really, yeah. a lot of people have said it feels it feels that that old with it. Um, mm. uh, thank you, Mike. Thank you, everyone that wrote in. You can always drop us a line: Marvel versus Marvel at gmail dot com, or you can tweet to us at Marvel versus. Of course, the best place to get hold of us is by heading to Patreon dot com slash Marvel versus Marvel, because that's where you can stop being a freeloader. Yeah, stop. You wait. Ready for this one, Will? I'm ready. Stop taking from us without giving anything back. Stop draining us. Stop being a leech. Stop being a vampire. <gasps> right. Yeah. Put something back into the bloodstream of Marvel versus Marvel. Give us a little something back for when we're giving you the good shizzle that you know you got to get your hands on. We've got some big players that do that each and every month. Peter J, Mikey W, Zach Thomas, Randall Schmidt, George Bingham, Bastabeer, Sam, Bindi. Those are the guys at the top echelon, the top of the pyramid of supporters. They don't just consume like Jared Leto. They contribute like someone else. Um, and in exchange, you guys on Patreon, I mean, well... It's nearly becoming a full-time job what we do with this podcast because it's not just the the shows we do here in the main show, is it? No, of course not. It's everything else that we do over on Patreon. Um, a new obscure Marvel drops each and every month, and every single person that contributes to us gets access to that. Um, what do we live, live with? <laughs> this this month we had the Circus of Crime, um, <laughs> which was a a fun journey, right? It well, you got five for the price of one there, didn't you? <laughs> Not saying that they're, they're worth that much each, but boy, there was there was definitely quantity over quality. And I think having recorded it, next month's obscure Marvel is even better. It might be one of the best we've ever done. The most unique Marvel character and story maybe and ridiculous ever 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 conceived by those wacky marvel people obscure marvel is a spin-off show where i expose will to the most ridiculous marvel characters and stories mm-hmm. of all time um that one is available to every single person that, that joins us on patreon then you go up to the viep tier get access to our full-length bonus episodes um, where we really sit down and record a full, 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 multiple-hour episode um, where we dive into a Marvel story, pull it apart as only we can. Um, and it, normally we, we reserve it for, for, for stories that are probably not going to make it to the big screen, right? Mm. That's kind of the feeling behind it. This month, um, in June, we decided after our Guardians of the Galaxy episode that we took a look at... Um, 
the the team behind the team, the story and the comic behind the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Uh, we're calling it Guardian, Guarding the Galaxy. And it's a story so big, we couldn't fit it into one episode, right? Yeah. Uh, we, 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 we were hoping to do this entire sweeping run of Star-Lord and Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning on, on these characters, and we just could not fit it into one episode. Um, it's, it's, how did you, so, there's Adam Warlock, there's, um, uh, there's an awful lot of um, Star-Lord, there's an awful lot of Drax, there's Captain Marvel. You got to learn about, I think, the original Captain Marvel for the first time. Yeah. Um, what do you think of that of that episode, that show, Guarding the Galaxy? It it was it, it it was mega. There was so much going on and so many different twists and some real reality bending stuff. Yeah, you're learning about Adam Warlock for the first yeah. time, and, and and Captain Marvel, the the kind of the Kree Captain Marvel, and we're looking to um, see him in, of course, in uh, Volume Three, Guardians of the Galaxy. We believe, yeah, yeah. and Thanos as well. It's a big Thanos episode, mm. um, and yeah, it gets very twisty, very turny, and we had to leave on a cliffhanger to leave you wanting more, <laughs> and there'll be more of that coming up. We release a full length bonus episode each and every month on Patreon if you're at the VIEP tier or higher. And then, of course, the guys at the top, top, top tier. Peter J, Mikey W, Zach Thomas, Randall Schmidt, George Bingham, Bastabier, Sam, Bindi. Those guys get access to exclusive video content. Um, they also get 20% off their Marvel versus Marvel merchandise, their MVM t-shirts. Um, those uh, discount codes are in all of your inboxes, guys, on Patreon. If you haven't checked them out, make sure you do before you make a purchase. Um and uh, that's just our special way of saying thank you to the top guys taking care of them. Patreon, look, we 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 we're doing this. I don't think there's a single week that we're not putting days into this show for the main episodes, for the bonus episodes, making sure we're crafting things, changing on a dime to go. Yeah, Jessica Jones is cool, but look, people are talking about Morbius right now. Let's give the people everything they could possibly ever want and more about Morbius. You know, we've got some incredible special things coming up for the rest of the summer as well. We put hours and hours into this show. And you guys out there, like a vampire, you're taking, you're taking, you're draining. You're draining the thoughts in our head. You're draining the words. You're draining our imaginations. And you're not putting anything back into the system, back into the community of Marvel versus Marvel. You should be ashamed because there are people out there that are giving it their all giving it their all they're paying their dues they're doing the right thing and you can do that as well patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel don't just consume contribute patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel we have set the table in only the way that only we can really to give you the history of horror at marvel the history of vampires at marvel for Will to take us behind the scenes on the production, the, the, the back and the forth, the retractions, the, the delays, the pushbacks, the more retractions. For Will to take us into the memes. To hear your thoughts on Morbius and is it up to the hype that's been uh, banded around about it? Does it live up to the memes? We've paid some bills. We've given out thanks to the people that really matter. Talking Peter J, Mikey W, Zach Thomas, Randall Schmidt, George Bingham, Basta Beer. Sam and Bindi, the top class, the world-class wrecking crew. Time now to hand things over to Will to uh, take us through the mo- movie in the, the only the way that only he can. 
and there's only one way to, to, to go through this movie, mate. I'm going to press play because you know what time it is? You know what time it is, Rob. I know what time it is, yeah. It's Morbin time. <laughs> Damn right. In Cerro de la Muerte, Costa Rica, a disabled scientist, Dr. Michael Morbius, with the help from a team of mercenaries, captures a rare kind of vampire bat. 25 years earlier in Greece, a young Morbius lives a lonely childhood in a hospital for children with an incurable blood disease. One day, young Morbius dis uh, displays his genius intellect by fixing the broken equipment which keeps the children alive, saving the life of Milo. Tormented by other children outside the hospital, Milo and Morbius dream about what they could do if they were ever able to live a normal life. Spotting Morbius's genius, hospital director Nicholas arranges for Michael to attend a prestigious medical school in New York while he focuses on caring for Milo, who needs more care from Nicholas. So a few things here. The opening titles were odd, weren't they? Like, I couldn't gauge what kind of film this was, because it was like Pride Colours followed by Darkness. Didn't notice. I noticed that. I, I, a, lot, a lot of this is going to be, I didn't notice, Will. You didn't notice. Like you, I, again, I think you went in going, this is going to be crap. And then you saw all these things that, that kind of like supported that position. And I maybe didn't. i tell you what I noticed about it, though. Yeah. Um, Marvel. So this was like in association, in association with Marvel. In association with Marvel, yeah. And so they get the old um title sequence the old intro sequence or oh, the flipping pages yeah rather than no, the so, zooming through. so the first doctor strange movie they switched yeah from the uh they almost uh, in, in my mind it was this signal that the mcu now has created our own kind of mythology yeah we don't we're not almost relying on these pages from a comic book anymore yes. but yes they switched in 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 yes. the uh, the Doctor Strange movie, to no flipping comics images of the MCU, the great moments of the the movies that have gone on so far. Um, I mean, by that point, yes, you had enough get... to use for that kind of thing. But yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now, in association with or uh, mildly connected to Marvel or something, whatever that <laughs> that word they get to use, chewing on the leftover bones. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, that's what Mar that's what that's what Marvel Studios should force them to do. Yeah, you can have the characters, but this is the this is the little ident you have to use. You can have this chewing on the bones. You can have this little bit of matter that's been vaguely carbonized. Uh, also, the opening had this Jurassic Park vibe, but the, just the special effects. Oh, the helicopter the, in the yeah, thing. Helicopter, the valley, you know, Costa Rica. And then going, you know, this whole like, oh, we've got a team of mercenaries to go into a place where some creatures are. And it's like, and eh, the special effects were not great for this bit. What special effects? Of what bit? The bats. The bats flying through, I thought, were a bit naff. You're, I, honestly, it's a sickness with you, some of this. It's a disease. It's a rare blood disease that you've got <laughs> that makes you, how, and what well, you freeze framing it and zooming in and, you, and running a computer program and analyzing the, what did you call them, poly... Poly I don't know. Do you know what my superhero name would be? Moanbeer. I can think of a few. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Is this film Morbius? Because it feels like Lesbius. Uh <laughs> Boo! Boo! 
Also, the uh, great Jared Harris. I absolutely love Jared Harris. Uh, he was great in, Ch- I think, Chernobyl was the first film, I, first thing I saw him in where, where it made me realise, oh my God, he's a fantastic actor. But I always remember the first film I saw him in, which wasn't a good film, uh, was Resident Evil Apocalypse, the second Resident Evil film based on the second and third game. I think Morbius is like on on a par with those kind of underworld movies and the Resident Evil movies. Yeah. They're, they're, bad. They're, they're not. They're not. Well, an awful lot of them were really bad, and I don't think this is really bad. But I, yeah, I've seen. It has a feel of that to I've it. I've seen every single Resident Evil film, which is the least surprising thing I'll say today. Again, uh, it's a sickness. And I have to say, I actually prefer the Resident Evil films to this because at least there was some consistency, and it felt like they were having fun, and there was. Every, every now and again, there were original right. ideas. How is there not consistency in this movie? Explain that. Oh, wait a minute. There probably is. No, I was thinking of another film. No, okay, Jurassic good. Park. The Jurassic Park film wasn't consistent. We're not here to talk about that. No. it just I, I just felt like there was a lot more fun in the Resident Evil films. Like They gave up trying to be anything apart from a Mia Jovovich action vehicle with ridiculous effects. And it felt a lot more fun. And this just didn't feel like fun. So that's is that a valid argument, Rob? Can I have you my didn't. dinner now? It's the well, it's you saying I didn't like this movie again, but yeah, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> cool story, bro. I hope you've got more than just that for the next hour. <laughs> yeah, man. Keep keep keep. I hope you've got a lot of different ways of saying I didn't like this because if not, oh boy, oh boy. Maybe I've shot. <laughs> I, I, I've done it all too early. So in the comic books, I take it this is what his childhood is like, right? Well, well, sort of, but not really. I wish we had um, a horn for that whenever you say that. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's Greek. He's one of them famous Greek vampires. Um, they got that right. So yeah, he has this great isolated childhood due to his 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 rare blood, his vague rare blood condition. One of those vague comic book diseases you get a lot of in Marvel in the seventies. Um, <laughs> that's that's what killed Ghost Rider's uh, dad, I yeah, think. Yeah, I'm dying yeah. of illness. Um, <laughs> it's the big one, the big illness. <laughs> and despite like, he and he's 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 very intellectually gifted. You know, I don't know if they say genius, but yeah. So they get that, they get that right, and and um, and he's Greek, but he's not raised in an, in, in like a hospital orphanage. He's raised by. Um, they've recently kind of. It's only very recently they've they've actually paid any attention to his to his past yeah. to his childhood. Um, that's not been a part of of Morbius stories at all until I think the last two or three years. Um, it's said that he 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 kind of um, had two best friends growing up uh, Emil Nikos and Emil's sister Lisa Nikos or Liza Nikos mm. and the three of them were very close um, but Michael was in love with Liza she rejected him oh no um, oh and he's he the bat the, the snouty bat nose the snouty bat snout yes I've noticed that um, Morbius that's nothing to do with vampires. Michael Morbius has had that since he was a kid. He's that's no. just his nose. He's a man. He was a man born with a snouty bat snout. Um, nothing to do with being a vampire. That's, <laughs> that's part cruel. of his original. When you see the character before he gets in the accident yeah. that makes him vampire man, um, he's got that upturned nose. That that weird. Well, not even. It's not even an upturned nose. It is a bat snout. Yeah. So it's not like the League of uh, the League of Gentlemen. Nearly, yeah, nearly. Yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, back to the film. 25 years later, Morbius publicly declines a Nobel Prize for his work with synthetic blood. At the hospital... Which has saved more lives than penicillin, which is an insane statement. Penicillin has saved billions of lives. It always seems like in these Sony uh, Marvel films, there's always a weird invention that ties into it somehow. Like uh, like the Sp- in Amazing Spider-Man films, there's like uh, you know stuff being made at Oscorp and the whole mm. like spider web stuff and all this. And then in Venom, I think there was probably something in that. I forgot. Which. Well, I mean, they are science fiction movies. They've got to have... They, they probably want to present you with a world that's like the one you know, and then this sci-fi thing happens, and thus we get the story. Yeah, true. But it always feels like there's one that's ever so slightly... Like, not the cause of the transfer transformation... But it's oh, ever right. so slightly like the MacGuffin, the, almost like the MacGuffin. It's sort of like par- parallel to it. It's, it's quite interesting. I, I, you know, great. I, I like that kind of stuff, but I just found it like a weird pattern. Anyway, you heard him's review right here. Will Preston, his quote on this movie: "Great, I like that kind of stuff." Now <laughs> put that in quotes on the Morbius poster for the DVD. That's what's going up. That's how you do. That's how you get good quotes, man. Now I know how Steve Bennett from Chortle feels. <laughs> <laughs> At the hospital where he works, his colleague Martine Bancroft discovers he has secretly captured dozens of vampire bats from Costa Rica in a large glass tank in the hope of splicing their genes with his own to cure his condition. Experimenting on a mouse with the vampire bat. Uh, lead gene leads to the rodent dying. However, after rushing off to save a patient of his, Martin and Morbius discover that the mouse is alive and well. The experiment worked. The ma- Do that again. The mouse is alive and well. Mouse. The experiment. Do you know that reminds me? That reminds me of an episode of Nevermind the Buzzcocks where they had to. Uh, say, say, read out the lyrics of a song, and Bill Bailey does uh, an Elvis song. A hard Rock Hotel, he goes, I've found a new place to dwell. But when Bill Bailey says it like that, it makes it sound like he's living in a cave. <laughs> Apologies Just, to people who have no idea what any of those references are. Uh, the one the Buzzcocks and uh, it was, it's Phil a panel comedy panel we show. About we don't music. need to do this, Will. Yeah. We don't need to give don't, them context. Don't need, don't need we to just need move on to the next that thing. Doesn't <laughs> pertain to Marvel, Will. There's no, um, I just feel like the motivations in this film are a bit odd. Like, I, it's like, oh, I'm going to get these bats and splice the DNA because that'll work. He does explain, I forget what he said, but he did explain it. I don't know. It's, I also- Stop wanting a scientifically accurate vampire movie, <laughs> you lunatic. I'm going to drive to London and slap you. Scientifically accurate vampire movie. You absolute nut job. I might enjoy that. Also, his performance in this. Did you ever see Blade Runner 2049? No, it didn't look like a good idea for me to to watch My favourite description of it was... uh, the director turned around and went, Oh God, I've just made the most expensive art house film. (laughs) Uh, Jared Leto was in it and the character in that film was almost the same he's doing that I'm going to be very sinister and talk in a really slow kind of way and be sinister and it was like just that and his role could have been taken out of the film entirely it's that kind of vibe he's doing again I didn't have a problem with his performance here at all 
I think it's because it reminded me of that film and his, his performance in that film really angered me because there was no point in his character whatsoever. Also, uh, Adria Ar- Ariona, uh, who is great, plays uh, Bancroft here. Uh, she was great in the uh, TV adaption of Good Omens, uh, which is a fantastic book. The adaption was had some strengths as well. So do check oh, the adaption is absolutely brilliant. It's really, really good. It's, uh, rush out, rush out and see that the the Good Omens show. It's really great. It's good. They got most of it right from the book, but there was this well, th- feel like we don't they, need to go about that. It's a good. It's a, it's good. It's fun. It's enjoyable. You'll enjoy it. Okay. Don't worry about how close it is to the books, guys. I, I just felt like it's, at, at it's times fun. it felt like a nineties thing. It felt very nineties in places, which was odd. I can't because it's, it's an old book. Y- yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> so Michael Morbius works at a place called Horizon Labs. Which sounds like something that should be from the Marvel comics. Is that true? I think we might have talked about this before. Horizon Labs is in the Marvel universe. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a it's a, a tech company creating the most advanced technology in the Marvel universe. It's headed up by a guy called Max Modal, um, who is uh, who is like I don't know. What to, he's one of Peter Parker's science heroes. He's on the cover of Wired magazine all the time, and he's, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's a he's a dynamic dude. But he's a very he's like um, uh, well, you wouldn't even call, you couldn't call him an old hippie because that's something from the eighties or nineties. Yeah, maybe he's like one of the only good chilled people from the Silicon Valley days. I don't know. Um, during Dan Slott's brilliant ten year run on uh, Amazing Spider Man. Peter Parker finally stops taking crappy pictures for the Daily Bugle and gets a job in science, which he's very good at. Mm. Um, And he goes to work at Horizon Labs, working for his childhood science hero and developing new technologies and stuff. Um, And it's a really cool, unique setup at Horizon Labs. They they have seven lead scientists who Mm. are paid very well and given lots of leeway to run their each own individual labs they can be as separate from each other as they want or they can collaborate there the labs are equipped with like the best and most advanced equipment out there for research um and they're allowed to kind of create anything they they think will help help society help the company advance technology and of course peter parker uses it to design weapons to fight the sandman and mysterio (laughs) um and and yeah and and, and uh, you know advance his web shooter tech and his costume and stuff and due to kind of like the idiosyncrasies of genius scientists each of the seven scientists are generally kind of like left alone to work privately to keep their own hours and and stuff like that so it's all ideal for peter parker's crazy lifestyle where he can't have a nine to five mm. because he has to run off and be spider-man all the time um And on his very first day at Horizon Labs, Peter Parker is told to never disturb the sixth scientist who remains secluded in his own private lab. The sixth scientist is seen a handful of times throughout the course of the years of the the Horizon Labs era, Mm. but he's only ever seen um, wearing a hazmat suit. Yeah. And eventually, number six, as he is known, is revealed to be Michael Morbius, um, working right underneath Spider-Man's nose for years at Horizon Labs. I like that. That's 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 a very nice twist. It was a very cool reveal, a cool setup, and you were along the way thinking, "Oh, who could it be? Who could it be? Who could it be?" But it wasn't a major. It wasn't a villain, 
concocting a dastardly plan. It was just a guy, you know, who is this guy? Yeah, it was cool. Nice. Visiting Milo, with Nicholas still tending to him, Morbius tells his old friend about his cure and how it needs to be done in international waters. Milo says he will stand by his brother until the day he dies and provide Morbius with the funding. In international waters, on board a private vessel, Martine completes the experiment on Morbius, who goes into shock and passes out. The experiment also interferes with the ship's electricity, causing one of the crew to come down to investigate. Noticing that Morbius is missing from his chair, the crew member and Martine investigate, only to find Morbius transformed into a vampire and hanging from the ceiling, calling for backup for everyone else in the vessel. The crew member is quickly drained by Morbius, who screams in a feral rage at Martine from behind glass in the next room. The rest of the crew storm in with guns, only to witness Morbius break through the glass before taking them out one by one. It's Morbin time. It's yeah. Morbin time. And by Morbin time, I mean every single horror and sci-fi action trope imaginable. Oh, they were rife, weren't they? They it's uh it's it's him on the ceiling. It's like oh he's not in his chair anymore. Oh he's behind the glass banging. Oh the team the team with the high tech, not high tech, but you know, fully armed get taken out one by one. I was just there ticking the off. Oh, you know, I don't want to go be like this all the time. Like I'm just looking for the bad stuff. But I was just there going, "This is every trope that I've ever seen in these films." I I I felt I wanted they they, they like he murders all the mercenaries here, mm. and it felt like what was missing is some dialogue earlier of us or or a scene earlier of the mercenaries being truly awful people. So that yeah, he shouldn't have killed them. But we know they weren't innocent. They, right? they could have, they, they, they could have they, dropped in a comment saying, oh, yeah, we're doing child trafficking tomorrow or something. Something like that. Because yeah. it came a little bit closer because what the, the one the one Merc who goes down there yeah. is, is clearly makes Martine uncomfortable. Yeah. And I was expecting some kind of harassment yeah. to come in, which would have gone would have made me as the audience member going, I want to see someone rip his throat out, please. I... He was inappropriate with that lady. And yeah. may, maybe if we'd had some, if we'd had, even when they're playing cards, they're playing, are they playing cards or do they imagine? that i think they were they're sat, they were, they're sat around doing something again another i trope, assume they're, playing they're, cards they're in the room doing doing stuff like that yeah. if they just had some bawdy dialogue about um oh have you seen have you seen the, the doctor downstairs oh yeah or even like when this is over if it, if it, you know when they pay me off, off on this i'm gonna perhaps i'll put a slug in in his head if you don't pay me. something that make me yeah. go i want to see them get killed it I, wouldn't have been much of a, a fix, really. It just would have met, that seems like it would make sense, really. I Especially when you're agree. not telling the story of a villain. You're telling the story of an anti-hero. Yeah. You're not saying mur- murdering them was the right thing to do or a good thing, but it takes you know, the edge off. It makes it grayer. Makes yeah. I the thing is though, I have to oh yeah, a uh, uh, big big confession. Uh there was some uh, the day I watched this to uh for the podcast, there was a celebration at work. And we left early to go to a bar. So by and, and I don't usually drink, but we had some celebrations. So I was like, "What the hell?" So I had a few drinks in me when I was watching this. So I I might be a bit like negative towards it because I was there going, "Yeah, you know." <laughs> I don't get that, but okay, yes. 
To be fair, alcohol makes me the best version of me there is, so I don't understand your perspective. Well, if you're doing something you don't want to do... Three or four pints deep. Oh, I'm having a great time watching this movie. It's wonderful. I was laughing a lot, and the wife came in and went, oh my, (laughs) some of it. (laughs) Um, I will say, though, credit where credit is due, and I didn't expect myself to say this, he does become a vampire fairly quickly, and they didn't drag out the origin story, because there are so many films... There are where they you don't get you don't oh. get get it until halfway through, and then this they've done it within the first act. They some you don't get it until the very end, and you go, "Oh, thank!" He's finally put a mask on and done a done a thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This they no credit. Yeah, credit where credit's due. They they get it in there quickly, just so they can fit in more vampire reaction. So I take it this is how he becomes a vampire in the original stories and injects himself with uh, non-specific vampire DNA. Well, let's see. Um, we talked about Michael and Emil. They're, they become brilliant scientists. They go off to college together. They win. I think Michael wins the Nobel Prize for mm. biochemistry. Um, but he, Michael does have this rare blood disease. So they attempt to cure Michael's blood disease mm. um, and develop an experimental treatment involving vampire bats and electroshock therapy. Uh, and something radioactive Uh, that bit isn't clear but Morbius distinctly says in the 1970s Spider-Man comic several times that his work is radioactive but I don't know how Um, so they set sail on the high seas Uh, Michael has bought a massive yacht to conduct his experiments on Uh, no mercenaries in this telling Uh, Morbius simply says we have to go in a big boat onto the sea because it's the only place safe and secure enough for science, whatever that means, for my particular science. And the science involved is Marvel science at its best. So Morbius has says, says he has a disease that is dissolving his blood cells. And to try to cure him, he's been drinking fluid distilled from bats. Which is disturbingly vague. <laughs> He's out there milking bats every day. Got to get this bat fluid <laughs> out of this bat udders. Um, yeah, and he's guzzling that down. He just he just squeezing the bat. Whatever comes out, he's drinking. He's it. drinking sweat, milk, wee wee. He doesn't care. Bit of poo poo. So guano. Big, well, no, it's specifically fluid. Um, Guano's pretty fluidy at times (laughs) So Because the bat fluid Hasn't helped enough Morbius (laughs) and Emil decide To electrocute Morbius Hoping That electric shocks will Create new blood cells Um, So Was this Stan Lee again writing this? No, this is the first Spider-Man issue not that written was, by Stan Lee. That was it. Sorry, because this sounds like Stan Lee's grasp of science. I think it's every writer's grasp of science. So they strap <laughs> Morbius to, to what is essentially an electric ch- chair that they have built and put onto a boat. And then they electrocute Michael until he becomes a vampire. 
What uh, a sentence! <laughs> what a sentence! They electrocute Michael until he becomes a vampire. Correct. That sounds yes. like psychological thing. Like uh, he's convinced he's a Are vampire. You a vampire cause, yet? Cause no. Forty more volts then. Um, it's like Nicolas Cage in that film where he thinks he's a vampire. So, <laughs> so Morbius um, immediately turns like. I mean, not just pale, actually ghost-like white, bright white in his, his skin. Um, and, and he grows fangs and big red evil eyes. And he immediately has a bloodlust and kills Emil, his best friend. Um, although he doesn't bite him or drink his blood. He, it happens, it, you, see, you only see Morbius' face. He either strangles him to death or snaps his neck with his bare hands. It's not quite clear. But he definitely doesn't bite him or, dr- or drink his blood. Marvel wouldn't depict Morbius drinking blood and biting people in the comics for a, a little while yet. They were still building up to this, are we really allowed to do vampires or will we get you know, driven out of business? So, um, yes, he realises he's become a monster. And Morbius dives in to the open seas, abandoning the boat. Um, and yeah. he will wash up on the coast of upstate New York, where he finds Peter Parker on a holiday. However, Peter Parker has six arms, and also the lizard is there, and they have a big old fight. Because it was Morbin time. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say that four more times by the time the podcast is finished. So later, Morbius wakes up in a shiver and slowly transforms back into a human. He makes his way through the scenes of carnage, from before to find Matt to find uh, Martine unconscious, with no memory of what just happened, Michael watches back the footage and realizes that he's now become a monster. Michael makes an emergency distress call before erasing the security footage and jumping overboard. Inspecting the scene, FBI agents Alberto Rodriguez and Simon Stroud inspect the abandoned vessel. Noting an, an origami model left behind, as oh. well as all the... Sorry? I forgot about those origami things. I... Oh. What was that about again? N- nothing. Oh, for God's sake. It's how they catch him and, and realise he's in certain places. Yeah. But it's not a thing. It's a, blade, just... it's a Blade Runner reference. Yeah. As well as all the crew members being drained of their blood. I have to say, the FBI agents do feel like something from a very low-budget 90s TV movie. You've got the two cop buddies, you know, they, yeah. they, they, there's, there's opposites between them. And the dialogue feels like that kind of time frame, doesn't it? It has that kind of feel to it. It's very dated. Rodriguez yeah. felt like it was them trying to do MCU humour. Oh, we'll put a funny character in. Yeah. And the tone was so wrong. The dialogue, the jokes, the, the, it was just all very, very dated by 15-odd years or more. Yeah, it really did feel like that. So, obviously, uh, transforming into a monster with no memory, those are werewolf tropes or the Hulk. Uh, is that how it happens to Morbius in the comics? Does he have no real control and just turns into a vampire like that? No, yeah. and well, not to begin with, not for the not for the majority of 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 his existence. Um, th- there's no transformation uh, when he's hungry in the comic books. Morbius looks like the vampire the whole time. He can't. He never looks human, mm. right? He's big. He's you know he's not big. He's white. He's he's like bright white, red eyed vampire monster twenty four seven. 
Um, and he knows exactly what he's doing at all times. There's no like, what did I do last night? There's none of that. Um, so in that aspect, no. But then in the, the, the 90s Midnight Suns series that we talked about, everything about Morbius changes. He actually okay. becomes corrupted by the blood of Lilith, the mother of all demons. And this demon blood mutates him. And so from from this point on, Morbius mm. has a supernatural and mystic aspect to ah, it. Ah, very nice. Because it's the ni- it was the early 90s, horror in the 80s, the supernatural in the 80s and 90s was very, very in. And they actually wanted to get away from the science fiction that was a bit convoluted. We've got a vampire, but he's not really a vampire. It was an experiment that went wrong. They wanted to usher him into the actual world of horror mm. and the supernatural and the mystic, which all the other characters in the Midnight Suns were all about. Uh, uh, the, the, the major thing that this um, demon blood does is cure him of his insanity. Yeah. We, we learn that the accident that transformed Michael into this vampire damaged his brain and 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 he's been he's that brain damage that insanity that's come on from that is what has been driving him to monstrous acts and generally being a villain for the last 20 odd years Mm. um his his brain physically heals in the 90s and essentially it stops him from being a villain He, he 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 doesn't have to he's not driven to you know he's not going to go on these wild mad uh, bloodlust fights with Spider-Man and, and 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 ripping people off the streets anymore. Morbius does, however, yeah, he he teams up with a scientist and creates a serum. There's a serum and also a blood cleansing procedure. Oh, blood cleansing! The, the scientist essentially goes, "Have you looked into dialysis mm. to any any extent?" And he's like, "That wouldn't help me." And he goes. This, this it's a great line. This this scientist says, "Look, I'm not a genius like you, Michael. I'm a GP. I'm a general practitioner. I'm not in the business of curing people. I'm in the business of trying to make something manageable to help yeah. people live with their conditions." And Morbius is like, "I have never considered that before in my life." <laughs> and together they come up with this process that involves a serum yeah. and and a, and a, and a he, he spends a lot of money on a on a and a complete blood cleansing. Maybe it's I don't think there are places blood. I think they kind of cleanse it out but this procedure lets him temporarily become a regular looking person like we see in this movie regular skin tone and eyes and teeth and everything what about his nose it, yes his nose is no actually that's interesting his nose now suddenly is a normal nose even though when we look at the uh, the text go back to the 70s he does not have a normal nose um mm. so there we go yeah. uh the the the, the that sort of temporary cure only lasts for six hours or so, um, mm. and if he's if he's during this time if he's injured or becomes too hungry, he will transform back into his vampiric form. Um, he actually gets a job during this period of time. Uh, he becomes a doctor and working in an ER, um, <laughs> and he struggles to be around blood. Um, but even in the 90s, when he's when he's doing these transformations and things, he still has his memory. He's fully yeah. in control of what... He knows what's going on at all times. The whole thing of being around blood just makes me think of Dexter. Mm. Do you remember Dexter? Yeah. I have nothing to add, though, I'm afraid. Yeah, you're I, I, right. I, I, I There's blood there. in Dexter. You're correct. 
And he's a monster lurking in <laughs> a professional. But it happened decades after this, so... Back to the story, people. <laughs> it did, though, didn't it? It did. It, I don't know. I know. It's I, just, a, I know. It's a, there's a similarity, but it's not. I'm not I'm like not, I'm not claiming that one ripped off the other. I'm saying, oh, it's kind of no, like that. But that. But you understand how I don't have anything else to contribute, and you were looking for something. No, I, no. Yeah. It's not a matter if you didn't have anything else to contribute. It's like you just didn't try. <laughs> just, well, you just shot okay. it down. Well, Let's not... try it again. Let's try it again. Try it again. You remember Dexter, Tony Rob? Oh, where there's a monster, like, oh, yeah, he's, he's kind of a monster hiding as a doctor. He's not a doctor. It's a, a bloody work. What is blood, he? Blood he's a monster. Scene analysis. He's, a, he's a guy. He's around blood, and he's a bad guy. Duh. Terrible final season starring John Lithgow as the dad. Sometimes, sometimes it's an absolute pleasure talking to you, and sometimes <laughs> it's the opposite. <laughs> Summer blockbusters here on Marvel vs. Marvel. Oh, it's too hot today. Anyway, back in New York, Morbius visits Martine in hospital in a coma before returning to his lab, discovering that, as well as superhuman strength, <laughs> speed, reflexes and echolation, with his vampire bats treating him as a bat, unfortunately, he also has the overwhelming urge to feed on human blood using the... I've... Sorry. I thought you'd finished. Nearly finished. It's a long sentence. Using the artificial mm. blood he created to quench his thirst. I, until like maybe two days ago, had never ever heard echolation pronounced before. And really? I cannot believe that's how people pronounce it. How Surely you... it's echolocation. Why would you say echolation? That's a stupid way of saying it. But it's about, it's apparently everyone pronounces it. I've seen it written down loads of times, and I always say echolocation. I'm looking at written down now, and I'm wondering why I said it. I think it's... um, I heard it the other day. It's not not just you. It's it's how it's said. It's it's the Mandela effect on this word, isn't it? Almost. You know what? Maybe the person I heard saying it also mispronounced it. Do you know... Yeah, it's it's a massive mispronunciation. I'm going to go with that. It's like could of instead of could have. Yeah. Agreed. Back to another incredibly long run-on sentence, please. Oh, fantastic. Uh, that was a, that's the longest sentence I've ever written in this show. Uh, not only this, but he needs to drink blood. His need to drink blood is growing, meaning he will need to feed more and more. Without any other way to prevent that hap- what happened on board the ship, he locks himself away in a glass cell. However... The next moment, Milo enters, sees his brother dying, immediately comes to his aid, giving him artificial blood to drink. Milo learns that Morbius is cured, but becomes furious when Morbius refused to cure him as well, unwilling to give him his same curse. In a rage, Michael shows Milo his vampire face and scares him into leaving the lab. Just a quick side note, so far, the the, the score does a very functional job. Uh, does... It does sound like unused music from The Dark Knight, doesn't it, in places? It's not something I noticed at all, I'm afraid. I have, a th- I have a thing for scores now. I like noticing them. Although a lot of modern movies like this, they all sound like Hans Zimmer. They mm-hmm. all sound like Hans Zimmer. It's really yeah. weird. It's like, and I'm there see- thinking, could someone please go back to ripping off John Williams and Danny Elfman at some point? Because just for variety's sake. Just to break the mon- monotony. Just to break the monotony. Just do something new. Also... Uh, I, I like this bit because we talked about this in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, but Milo's reaction to him being uh, a vampire is essentially, 
uh, not uh, you're a vampire. He just goes, oh, why won't you cure me? And it's like, <laughs> it's like that's his first reaction. It's like, it reminds me of the Green Goblin in Spider-Man 2, but with the absolute benefit of hindsight. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. It's just the, utter, the absolute self-interest of a, of a, uh, of an, what we're going to discover is an evil character, isn't it? What we, yes, no spoiler alerts. Spoiling Morbius. Um, so, does Morbius drink artificial blood in the comics? No. It's even no, too that, insane that, for the comics, isn't it? That, well, in the 90s, there's that serum I talked about that, that helps him kind yes. of control his monstrous appearance, but he always has to drink human blood. And mm. I'd argue that if you're creating a vampire story, and you then, one of the things you introduce is a thing that means that your vampire doesn't have to drink human blood, I'd say that's insane. Yeah. That is, I cannot, again, this feels like a movie by committee. Why yeah. the twisted ramblings of a, of a dozen different scripts being walloped together? Why is there artificial blood in this movie? Wasn't there a, why? a, a movie that, that, that sort of went by and it was about a world where vampires are taken over and they're basically farming humans, but the humans are running out? It sounds like a very common thing I've read in vampire fiction or, or yeah. seen somewhere, but I can't think of a movie. I just I don't understand why there's artificial blood in this movie. What purpose does it serve? I'm trying to think now, but you're right. It's it's like he almost immediately goes, "Oh, I I can't have this anymore. I need to, I need to drink real blood, don't I?" You could have I taken think that it's, out. I think they. I think what they just did, like they don't want him to drink blood mm. until the very end of the movie. Yeah, like he he does the thing on the boat where he's not in control, and then they don't want him to drink any blood until the end of the movie, and um, they want to make that an impactful moment mm. where he drinks human blood again, and they went, oh, what's he going to do in the meantime? And they all decided he can't go and drink the blood of bad guys or something because that would make him a monster. He has to drink, I don't know, artificial blood, or I don't know why they couldn't just have him, you know. Have the type, have it mean that he's getting weaker and weaker as things go on. They, they that would have had a lot more impact on, at the end of the movie when when he nice little charming montage, him doing people in, sucking their necks. <laughs> yeah, and then and, and then staring at the mirror in the bathroom, going, "I need more, I need more." And then the clock's passing by. Mate. I need more beers. More. <laughs> there it is. They could have had a nice jaunty song playing in the background. Very very functional storytelling. The montage. But no, instead we got uh, a bit a guff MacGuffin. <laughs> oh come you, on, you, that was good. You enjoyed yourself there, did you? A guff MacGuffin. Oh, I'm gonna write that down when we're finished. So, at the hospital, the FBI agents question Martine about what happened on board the ship. Apparently, the bodies on the vessel have fang marks on them, but Martine can't remember what happened. Later that evening, a nurse is attacked by a vampire and drained of her blood. While checking up on Martine, Morbius sees the nurse's body and flees, believing himself to be responsible, before bumping into the two FBI agents. After a few questions, Morbius knocks them down and uses his superhuman powers to escape to the hospital roof where he is cornered by Agent Stroud and brought in for questioning. So this uh, hospital has that unrealistically dark and flickery effect for the sake of a bit of meh horror. But even when they turned the lights on, it still felt really dark. 
Because you've been in the hospital. You know how clinically light the whole place. This was like... Did they get this from the seventies? I mean, I you know what? Again, I, I it didn't it didn't register with me. It didn't leave an impact on me. I well, I used to be, I used to go to hospitals it. a lot for when I was on hospital radio. And one thing I always remembered that even walking around at night, it was incredible. Oh, it's, it's, it's like a casino. It's like yeah. you get lit up like hell. And then when I saw this, I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not believing that unless New York is really that bad. Also, the hospital roof. What happens? What happens here? He's almost blown over the edge in a really almost goofy way, and and it, I, 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 it wasn't communicated what was going on here, and I felt really confused. Do you know what's going on here? I rewatched this scene five times. Here. I'm not joking. <laughs> I kept, I kept thinking I was missing something. At uh, one stage, I thought there was a helicopter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That there was sense. not a helicopter. Nope. I, I know I know now exactly what happened thanks to a scene later on. Ooh. But there is no line of dialogue connecting the two scenes. Is it, Would you like me to explain it? Is it due to the subway bit? Is it related to that? It what's happening is he <laughs> he is very, very light. <laughs> and he, <laughs> <laughs> Like a, he has hollow bones like a bat. That's genuine. That's that's Morbius canon. That is canonically Morbius. He has hollow bones like a bat. Oh, He's very light. He actually does that. Yeah, that's how he glides and flies. I did not know bats had hollow bones either. Like a bird. Like, yeah, I'm very and bad with bird bones. It's never mentioned in this movie, right? And so the, it, what happens, folks, is that Morbius is on the roof and with no explanation and nothing happening, he starts to get, like, blown towards the edge of the roof and struggles to not get blown off the rooftop yep. to maybe his death. And then he's arrested by a policeman. Um, and it, they never explain what happens there. They should like, have done that. So another thing that has to, we have to talk about is when Morbius moves around when he when he morbs when he morbs into morb into when he when it's morbing time and he's morbing around there's this like mist effect coming off him yes yeah to begin with i thought the character was actually turning into mist and moving very quickly like I, teleporting almost i saw it as a style a stylistic choice it's, and i it is just went, a stylistic choice yeah. but i think also what it's doing You've gone dark there. What happened to your? You went completely into the black darkness. Then it's because I thought you were doing a a horror movie thing. You just vanished into the blackness. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's a stylistic thing, but I also think what it's showing is air currents moving around him when he's moving fast. Yes. There is a scene later on where, without any dialogue (laughs) or explanation, we're left to. Uh, interpret that he, that Morbius realizes he can ride on air currents, yeah. currents of air. So when he's at the top of this roof, I'm assuming there's lots of strong air currents around, yeah. and he's a very light, thin boy. <laughs> he, he's made of paper, so he could blow. He's blow, he's literally blowing away in the wind. However, they do not explain how we can. They don't explain any of this at all. At all, it's it's madness. This is not explained. It's really bizarre. It's. Do you know if they actually explained it a bit, and then they sort of played up in a bit in some scenes, like like he's a bit unsteady sometimes. 
Like that, yeah. You don't need much, do you? Don't need you much. You don't need much. That and that scene would have actually made so much sense and worked well, but it just looked goofy as hell. I I just genuinely thought there was a there was a a, a scene missing or, or or a snippet of the scene missing. I actually did that five well. I, times. I watched that. I rewound it. I rewound it, and I was like, "What's happening? Did I miss something? Did I, did I? Yeah." And I was like, "Yeah." If 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 I'm doing that in the film. Because of confusion, the story's not been told properly. 100%. Anyway, back to the film. Hollow, hollow boy. He's got thin bones. Uh, hollow the, bones. Hollow bones. Hollow at, bones thin boy, that's his name. Hollow bones thin thin boy Morbius. At the, uh, at the Manhattan detention complex, Morbius is interrogated by the agents with Al bringing some holy water out of superstition. Assuming Morbius is responsible for the nurse's death, so that was crap as well. That was crap. That was. I kind that of was again this thing of why? Why are they so? Why do the two FBI agents think vampires are real? I'll get onto that. I, I, I what, what, what? I was going to mention it later, but one thing is they think vampires are real and are also quite blasé about it. Yeah, they're kind of fine with it. One guy brings some holy water, the other one laughs at him for bringing holy... What else is he meant to do? It's a vampire! It's a vampire! You just uh, discovered vampires are real! I Obviously, okay, you could argue it takes place in the <clears throat> Sony Marvel Universe, and we've seen... No, what's it called? The Sony Spider-Man Cinematic Universe. Ugh. The SSMCU. I hate them so much. Um... We've seen strange things, so sounds like the Nazi version of the MCU, the yes. SSMCU. <laughs> oh God! Oh geez. the SSMCU, the SSMCU. That's what they want us to call it. It's basically like the multiverse of madness, but it's all the Nazi planet from Star Trek or something. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, assuming Morbius is responsible for the nurse's death, Stroud presses Morbius for a confession, but the doctor does not have an answer. The agents are startled when Morbius's hunger makes him start to slightly transform, with the doctor saying, "You don't want to see me when I'm hungry." That's is that it? Was that a subtle, subtle, incredible Hulk reference there? The you think? doctor is Morbius. Sorry, I was trying to work out who the doctor is. I yeah. thought it was a because do- we had a nurse's death and then there was a doctor. I was confused. Yeah, the just, doctor is Morbius. Just, okay. just, just remind everybody that uh, Morbius is a doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, doctor, doctor, doctor Morbius. I, I know he's a vampire first, but you you can retrain. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was terrible. You can retrain for a job in cyber or a job as a vampire yeah. Yeah. with thin, hollow bones. Yeah. So up to this point, how do you think Jared Leto's doing in the role? Fine. Uh, I actually enjoyed him. Enjoyed him. I um, the 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 scenes right at the start before the accident. I think he's. And the scene later on where he's talking to Martine and he's more relaxed in the in the calf restaurant mm-hmm. or the cafe or whatever, where I think those are it feels like we've got a, a decent actor doing this. The yeah. some of the other more intense stuff, he's he's perfectly fine at it. I you know I he doesn't elevate the material that I think yeah. Matt, the way that I think Matt Matt Smith elevates what he's got. Yeah. I don't think Leto does particularly, but he's. One of the top three actors in this movie. He's one of the top three Jareds in this movie. It. I don't know. I just. It's. It, 
I, 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 it's obviously it's, it's biased and personal, but I just can't stand it. There's something about him I don't like. It's similar to, but it's similar. The, the closest thing I can think of is Tom Cruise. But even then, uh, I had like Mark Kermode's recommendations for. You don't like Mark, Tom Cruise movies? No, no, I don't like Tom Cruise. Right. But Mark Kermo did a thing where he said, oh, no, he doesn't like him either, but these are the Tom Cruise films you should watch. And it was like Risky Business, Born on the Fourth of July, and all these. Tom Cruise movies are, are insanely good. And he's he's brilliant. He's brilliant. But when he's being Tom Cruise, there's this deadness behind the eyes. No, he's, 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 he's not a man. He's, he's, a, he's as close to an alien as you're ever going to find. And I get that he's, same he's vibe. He's not a right I get, person. I get that same from Jar- same vibe from Jared Leto, even when Jared Leto's in a film. I get yeah. this weird vibe, and it just doesn't it doesn't settle well with me. So, incredibly biased, incredibly weird, vague reason for that. But yeah, that's that's how I feel. Agent Stroud, the one who made fun of the holy water, uh, obviously a character created for the movie. No. Oh. Um, I don't know. I mean, Rodriguez is, Stroud is not. Um, Agent Stroud has quite a history in Marvel Comics. He Here first appears in the 70s in a Marvel comic called Creatures on the Loose, um, <laughs> where he's chasing Man-Wolf. Uh, now, Man-Wolf is not your favourite. He's not Jack Russell. <laughs> that, that's Werewolf by Night. This is a different wolf boy. Man-Wolf is John Jameson, the son of J. Jonah Jameson. Yes, um, this rings a bell. Astronaut who goes to the moon and is cursed to become a werewolf here on Earth. Um, and uh, and he, Agent Stroud, I think he's a police officer. Nah, yeah, I think he's just a police officer. And he goes to um, to track down the, uh, the, the, the man-wolf... Uh, and uh, gets involved in in that on Creature on the Loose. Then he he turns up in Adventure into Fear, um, where he he becomes the cop chasing Morbius after all these slayings and killings, and he um, he gets into it with Morbius several times, and um, he ends up having to team up with Morbius against some actual you know undead vampires, true vampires, as they keep saying in Morbius comics, true vampires, undead vampires. That's the one, yeah. And then later on, he ends up. He, he there's a there's a, a team up of um, Spider Woman, no Spider Man, and the Black Widow. And Agent Stroud turns up in that, and we 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 are informed that there's this long history he has with Natasha Romanoff, um, dating back to when they were both in military intelligence. He Agent Stroud works in the CIA and has this long working relationship and personal friendship with the Black Widow. So he has got roots in, in, in Marvel. And then when Morbius returns in the 90s, Agent Stroud comes back to uh, hunt him down again. <laughs> but he's not, he's not, like, he's not antagonistic, but he, he hears of all these vampire killings and he thinks he's got to, he knows, he knows who's responsible. And he, he tries to take Morbius down. Do you, do you think you ever think he could just talk him down or did you have to go full gung ho with it? Um, he tries to use like um, tranquilizer darts. It doesn't work for him. Should have just had a quiet conversation and intervention, maybe. Intervening <laughs> on a vampire would be odd. Anyway, anyway, back in his cell, Morbius is visited by Milo, who questions why he's letting himself stay in there, even offering to free him. With Morbius explaining that as long as he's behind bars, he can't kill anyone. Upon realizing Milo took his cure, 
became a vampire and killed the nurse, Morbius escapes from prison to confront him. Milo uses his... Fra- th- th- this was the closest to the... Uh, this was maybe the, my favourite thing that happened in the movie, I thought. Um, it, I'm not saying it was amazingly clever, because I think we all saw it coming. Oh, I absolutely saw it coming, yeah. I thought it was still nicely done with the smarminess yeah. of Matt Smith's character leaving the cane behind and... Oh, yeah, because that was the it was clue just, that he's better. It was, yeah. Just, yeah. it was just very... Uh, it was the probably the best the best sort of put-together thing um, in the movie, I think. Agreed. It's like that bit when they're, they're talking about the story or the concept and the script, and, and they, they, they want this bit to be the best bit. They've obviously thought of a great... had that great bit of inspiration of the reveal. The reveal or the switch room. Yeah. Like when you're doing a heist movie. But yeah, no, you're right. That that was a very, that was a very well It was a bit too Kaiser soze but it was still... <laughs> Kaiser, yeah, yeah. When he's walking away and he well, stops limping and he starts walking up straight and... Yeah, but I think, again, Matt Smith elevates this material, I think. Hmm. Anyway, uh, Morbius skips prison to confront him. Milo uses his vampire powers to kill and feed on a newspaper vendor before being apprehended by Morbius. An unrepentant Milo confesses his bloodlust-induced crime and urges Morbius to embrace his powers as he has. The two of them fight, with Morbius chasing Milo through a subway, killing several police officers in the process. Unwilling to hurt his brother, Morbius flees through a nearby subway tunnel by flying on the strong air currents created by the trains. Also, the Daily Bugle cameo was kind of nice. Kind of nice little... I don't think it's... I think it's pointless without Spider-Man. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. I only care about the Daily Bugle because it's where Peter Parker works and it's where J. Jonah Jameson is and it's where Robbie Robertson is and, and Betty Brandt and... Couldn't even Pessy get Grant, J.K. Sorry. Simmons yelling in the background. Couldn't even get that. Also, fun fact... That subway isn't the New York Metro. And I recognised it right away. And after the film, I checked it out. And I was absolutely right. It's not the New York subway. It's the London Underground. I'm so yeah. used to... Yeah. The, the, the New York Metro doesn't... I, at least from what I've seen, from what I've been on, because uh, I've I've gone over there, there's no big escalators like the London Underground has. It doesn't go as deep underground. Mm. Uh, and it's, yeah, apparently they just filmed it in London and redressed it to look like New York. Well, all the all the exterior stuff is Northern Quarter in Manchester. No way. Um, yeah, um, all the outside shots, aside from the park, I think, which is I forget what forget what that is. Aside from the park, all the outside shots. It's not Brooklyn. It's the Northern Quarter in Manchester. They were filming up there for a while. Um, Northern Quarter has a lot of red brick buildings. It yeah. has a lot of fire escapes on the outside. Yeah. It has a lot of warehouses. A lot of like post-industrial um, kind of kind of part of the city. It's a great if you're ever in Manchester. Northern Quarter is where all like there's loads of great places to eat and drink. There, it's uh, a lot of fun can be had in Northern Quarter. I believe I'm up there next month doing my solo show. I'll announce that when I'm uh, when we get there. But yeah, that, I, I thought that was actually uh, obviously it, 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 stu- it stuck out for me. But I thought, oh, what the hell, you know, whatever. That that kind of works. This 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 um, confrontation here felt mm. like the closest we get to what would happen in a proper <laughs> proper kind of superhero, <laughs> proper Marvel movie. Yeah. We have now, as much as I, I personally don't think. If I'm doing, if I'm making a Spider-Man movie, mm. the first k- villain I have Spider-Man fight is not someone with identical spider powers. Yeah. That feels like it's not varied. I would have had something else going on here, yeah. right? That being said, I whatever he's going to f- come up against, 
it 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 was the first approach of a power and a responsibility the the ethical question around the yeah. the, the morality of power okay. two people with the same abilities and one of them's being one, evil full on hedonistic yep. self-interested I am above now other people because I have this power mm. and the other who is trying to resist that even though there's this compulsion to to do so it it doesn't again doesn't quite do it. Matt Smith is very good at doing... Um, I think throughout this, he does kind of a good American psycho routine. Yes. Like the dancing scene later on and and the, the, the scene in, in the bar and stuff. There's, there's a lot of... Um, it's it's mad, but it's that it's that kind of Patrick Bateman madness. Absolutely. No, I, I got that vibe as well, absolutely. So, uh, apart from <coughs> the ability to morb and having hollow bat bones what powers does morbius have in the marvel comics <clears throat> well sort of all all the things we'd associate with a, a vampire i guess <clears throat> the, the fangs and the claws and um superhuman physical abilities and, what about um, sexiness uh, not being able to enter a house unless it's invited in well that's not a power is it that's a it's a weakness he does Ooh. have none of the vampire weaknesses because he's not a mystical supernatural vampire he's a living vampire <clears throat> he um like religious icons don't bother him he mm. he sunlight sunlight he's sensitive to sunlight it does hurt but he, and he and he tends to rest during the day but it doesn't um burn him alive doesn't turn him to dust um <clears throat> silver no impact, iron, no impact, wooden stakes, no no real impact. He has a, a, a regenerative healing factor, um, perhaps not to the degree of, of Wolverine. It's said like he couldn't regrow an arm or a leg or something, but mm. <clears throat> he does have a healing factor for, for, for wounds and injuries. Um, he has displayed, he has been able to transform individuals into not true vampires but more like vampires like himself <clears throat> but right. this is this is spotty at best it's only happened a handful of a couple of times really more like infecting one of them, <clears throat> yeah means of vampires yeah one of them being blade we talked about in our blade episode how blade doesn't have any vampire powers blade is not a vampire in the comic books mm. until he comes across morbius in i think after the movie comes out <clears throat> where um they have Morbius uh, infect Blade and, and make Blade into a kind of a, a kind of a vampire, um, <clears throat> and yes, he has the the, the hollow bones where mm. he can glide and air currents. But once he becomes infused with with demon blood in the nineties, he changes a bit. Um, it is revealed that <clears throat> his brain is actually developed differently to a humans um, since his accident, and and uh, he has psionic powers. So. The flight, the, the gliding, is actually controlled by a part of his mind. Ah, it is psionic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is psionic in origin. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if the hollow bones get mentioned much from the nineties onwards. Um, <laughs> and he now has the ability to hypnotize people. He develops that. It grows over time. But he can, if people are close enough to him, and he can get, capture their gaze, he can mesmerize and hypnotize people um, that don't have particularly like a strong will. Okay, <clears throat> very good, very good. He uses it in the 90s series to force Spider-Man to leave him alone. There was this thing of, well, if, if, if Morbius is in New York being a 
violent vigilante anti-hero kind of killing people and stuff, why wouldn't Spider-Man, his biggest enemy, find him every day and beat the crap out of him and make sure it doesn't happen? <laughs> so they they have this confrontation where he uses his his mesmerizing powers to um, force Spider-Man to kind of forget that he's seen him and to leave him alone. That makes sense. <clears throat> Next day, Morbius meets up with Martine to explain what happened with Milo, while also apologising for what happened on the ship. After their meeting, Morbius forcefully acquires a new lab. Developing an antibody against vampirism to stop and kill Milo, he also plans to use it on himself, since he will become unable to resist his bloodlust. Meanwhile, Milo tracks down Martine at Morbius's lab and asks about his brother's location. Knowing she's in danger, she flees to the new lab. Nicholas, uh, the c- character Jared Harris uh, plays, very surprisingly vacant in this film, I realised. What do you mean? He's hardly in it. <clears throat> oh, right, he's not in it much. I, I thought he'd play more of a role because he's like a, f- a paternal figure. And, you know, he was there when he was a kid. And he's yeah, quite they, a big they, name. They don't... I don't think they know what they want to do with that, do they? Yeah, it felt a bit There's odd. this thing about him being brothers and stuff, but it doesn't really kind of play into much. It doesn't, if, unless, <coughs> I reckon if you had him every now and again reminding them about the bond, it would have strengthened that. Agreed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it just... Would have made the final the final act, uh, as in, not the final act, but the final thing that happens in the, in the final part of the movie, yeah. a lot more important and emotional. Yeah, it's, instead you just go, oh, I forgot about him. Oh, dear. <laughs> So, no, I mean, I mean the final fight. Oh, right. Okay. The, where where Morbius kills um, Milo oh, would right. have been that much more emotional if we'd been reminded by someone like yeah um, Nicholas that that they are br- bro- brothers. Nah, that would have made more sense. So in the comic books, uh, does Morbius spend his time trying to find a cure? Because I think we mentioned something like. It, well, to begin with, occasionally, but he's very much a villain. He's very much the the monster of the month, and he's he's full on running around eating people. Uh, he keeps crying, "Woe is me!" about his, his his life and his curse, but doing nothing but biting and killing people. He doesn't really seem that invested um, in anything other than his hunger. Hmm. Um, at the end of the seven, like the end of the seventy, start of the eighties, there's this really weird issue where Morbius is finally cured completely. After being struck by lightning, <laughs> electricity again. Electricity yes. solved everything. Yeah. Rob, he um, he's not even looking for a cure. He's on a mad feeding frenzy. There's no dramatic build really. It's a, a fight with Spider Man. He feeds off Spider Man, gets Spidey's radioactive blood into his throat, no and way. then a completely pure accident, random bolt of lightning strikes him, and he is electrocuted back into a real boy. Um, <laughs> it's kind of suggested from that point on that really it's Spider-Man's radioactive blood that, that is believed to be able to be a, a temporary cure for for Morbius for, for, for periods of time, um, which adds an extra element whenever they clash. He's always kind of, I've got to get your blood. I fancy a day trip. Uh, I want to go to the beach, get some blood. Um, <clears throat> when he's the secret six scientist at Horizon Labs, he is using their uh, facilities to look for a cure. He did quite... Um, oh, how recent? More recently, in the last, let's say, eight years, he believed he created a cure, finally. But when he took the serum, 
it actually made him even worse. Oh, and he began mutating into even more of a monstrous um, vampire and deepened his vampirism and monstrousness and stuff. Oh, very nice. Stroud and Rodriguez <clears throat> find footage of one of Milo's attacks and, believing that there are copycat killers on the streets, they release the video to the media. Nicholas, seeing the footage on the news, recognises Milo and goes to his flat to plead with him to stop. Angered by Nicholas's perceived preference for Morbius, Milo wounds Nicholas and forces him to call Michael for help. The vampire arrives at Nicholas's home only to watch his father figure die in front of him. However, this was also a ruse, allowing Milo to attack Martine in Morbius's absence. What happened is they said, "What's the most impactful murder death that we can do in this?" Yeah, and the room was split between Martine and Nicholas, and someone finally said, "Let's do both back to back, one on top of the other." That's a good idea. Yeah, it's not. I mean, yeah, it kind of works, I guess. I know this is supposed to be. Yeah, sorry, I already said this earlier. I put, put my notes to set here, and already mentioned it. I mean, at this point, especially. The FBI agents are incredibly blasé about vampires on the loose. Oh God! It's like there's another one now. Oh, it's oh, just mad. We better, we better. And should we, should we call the the National Guard? Should we alert the alert the CIA, the you know uh, higher ups or or Homeland Security or or, or even like you know, do anything? Now oh, we better release the tape to the media. Let 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 everybody know vampires are real and they're on the streets. That's what we need to do. And are we going to do anything about it? Well, we've got holy water. <laughs> We got holy water. Oh, so bizarre. Yeah, very bizarre. Back to the film, Morbius flies back to Martine, only to find her mortally wounded. As she dies in his arms, Martine tells Michael to not let her death be for nothing. Giving in to her dying wish, Morbius drinks her blood and makes himself stronger than ever. So Michael refuses to drink human blood until this moment in the film. Like, does Morbius have any rules when it comes to drinking blood? In the original series, to to begin with, no, no, he's he's a he's a full on monster, bloodlust yeah. dude. Um, but but that demon blood we talked about in the nineties uh, Midnight Sun series, yeah. um, cures him of his insanity. Right. So he's no longer doing that. He still has to drink human blood, uh, though. Mm. And right around as this is all kicking off and happening, he is confronted by Ghost Rider and Johnny Blaze. Essentially, the way they set up the Midnight Suns is that they all have an interaction with Ghost Rider because he's the popular star that's driving, you know, readers to all these comics. So, mm. Blade and Doctor Strange and the guys from um, the Tomb of Dracula they will all have a story and encounter with Ghost Rider as he kind of goes around setting up all these individual stories. Mm. So they come and and confront uh, Morbius, this kind of new, mutated, evolved Morbius. And Ghost Rider uses his penance stare on Morbius to confront him with every terrible act and murder he's ever committed as a vampire. Mm. But this doesn't, like, hurt him and kill him particularly. It hurts, but the, the, the general vibe is that this is something that torments Morbius every day of his life. Like, every day he's confronted with all the horrible, terrible things he's done as a vampire. So getting it in this penance stare doesn't really, you know... It's not this kind of aha moment that Ghost Rider mm. thinks it's going to be. And some sort of 
uh, a chord is reached between them, Morbius and Ghost Rider. As a spirit of vengeance, Ghost Rider will not permit Morbius to take a single drop of innocent blood. And he's like, I will full-on destroy you if you do. And Morbius makes this vow. Now he's cured of his insanity. His vow is to only hunt and drink the blood of the guilty. Mm. Um, and as a spirit of vengeance, Ghost Rider's quite happy with this. Yeah, go on for it. Yeah, killers, rapists, Ooh. you know, all those kind of bad dudes. Go and, go and eat them up. Um, and this made Morbius in the 90s part of the the ever-popular violent vigilantes that Marvel and, and DC had. Um, and from that point on, yeah, he'd feed off, off killers and muggers and drug dealers and stuff in New York. Um, he, he That's not a hard and fast rule. Uh, that era of the 90s has passed. I was about Morbius. to say, like, during like, the 70s and 80s, there are a lot of criminals in New York to feed on. But, uh, well, for Morbius, it's meant that... that once the 90s midnight suns thing is gone he does end up going back to becoming a recurring kind of villain Mm. sort of sideline character and i think he's had he's had he's had multiple series attempts at a series Mm. uh, in the last 10 years so he's slipped he's gone back to being uh, he has he loses control and has bloodlust from time to time but i think in general he's not a you know he's not out there eating regular humans all the time but there's no artificial blood so he's got to have some of it no artificial blood right we're coming up to the final scenes of the film milo taunts michael about martin's death leading to them fighting down the side of a building under construction the two smash through floor after floor until morbius crashes below heavily wounded Milo then picks up Morbius's body and throws him down through the building's foundations. As Milo taunts his brother, Morbius screams out a supersonic yell and collapses into unconsciousness. The very next moment, the tunnels are swarmed by an army of bats, and Morbius Morbius uses them to overwhelm Milo, allowing Morbius to stab him through the heart with the antibody. He he punches him with bats! Yeah! That's essentially (laughs) what happens. Morbius flies off with the bats, mourning his loved one, and embraces his identity as a vampire. However, unbeknownst to him, Martine is revived as a vampire herself elsewhere, having ingested a drop of Morbius's blood while he was feeding on her. Is that does that last bit a thing that we see happen? I think so. I rewound she, it. And she drinks some... his blood. Yeah. Well, so, well, she okay. turns into a vampire. She turns into a vampire. Or, I think you might have made the last bit up. I, or, or even she just wakes up and her eyes are just somehow a bit red. <laughs> yeah, blood, pink eye. Yeah, that happens. <clears throat> that happens when uh, you get punched by a vampire. Uh, so, what can you tell us about Martine? Actually, before I go on to that, um, I, I got a couple of things to say. The bat bit. Did did you feel like this was very similar to Batman Begins, where he summoned all the bats? I don't remember that happening in Batman Begins, so don't. I, I didn't. But that, that always stuck out with me because I loved it because it was like he had that little thing in his boot that was like a high pitched sonar, and and he's like, "What's that for?" And he just goes, "Back up!" And then all these bats fly into the insane asylum and like take down, well, not take down the SWAT, cause a massive distraction and give him a nice bit of cover. Ah, right. And it was such a great little genius moment that they rightfully didn't do again because it would be stupid to do that again. But that that bit, I went, oh, that's just Batman Begins. Also, did you feel that the death scenes in this film were missing a bit of emotion? Yeah, but there's no emotional weight in this movie at all. Yeah, 
they should no emotional weight whatsoever. Yes. It, 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 so, so Ma- Martine's character is just terribly portrayed in this yeah. movie. She gets nothing to do whatsoever. Whatsoever. She's practic- and then even the even the Matt Smith's character that should be the one you have an emotional connection to, you kind of don't really. Mm-hmm. Again, it doesn't feel like he's killing a brother. Yeah. It's just okay. She spends a lot of time outside of a fridge. I'll give her that. <laughs> Woman in the fridge. Right. Okay. Sorry, yeah. that was a very well thing we've talked about before a few times, but never mind. Moments passed. Will, what can you tell us about Martine? Rob, is she a character from the comics? Yes, yeah, she is. Yeah, okay. she's she's the girlfriend and secretary of of Michael Morbius. She's with him on the boat with Emil uh, mm-hmm. on the yacht where they do their vampire electrocution experiment. Um, and the reason that he leaps off the boat into the water is because once he's killed Emil, he's like, I have to feed, and the only other person left on this boat is the woman I love. Yeah. So he leaps into the ocean to get away from her. Um, and she comes back, she goes to, she finds Emil's corpse, and she finds Michael's notebook and pieces together what's happened. And she goes straight to Reed Richards and the Fantastic Four and is like, help me! Famous scientist Michael Morbius has become a vampire. <laughs> and Reed Richards is like, Michael Morbius? My pen friend! Um, <laughs> He he's in communication with this dude because they're famous scientists. They're science bros together. Of course, of course. Um, and uh, so she's kind of she's kind of around for trying to help him there for something there. Um, uh, then she's involved with the cult of the New Order, not the band. Uh, she's enthralled by this sorcerer called Daemond, and Martin ends up joining this cult who. Want to kidnap Morbius for hmm, some reason? Blood, blood purposes. <laughs> something probably. to do. Something. Yeah. Um, and they summon a, a cat demon, <laughs> a giant walking cat demon called a Balkatar. Okay. Um, and the Balkatar grabs Morbius and the the cult of the New Order are like, "Yes, now bring him back to us." And Balkatar says. I don't think so. I'm teleporting Morbius and myself to the home of the cat people. And honestly, Morbius's first kind of like Morbius adventures are all Steve Gerber drawn, written nonsense about going to the, uh, sorry, going to the home of the cat people, the land within. Um, and there's this whole society of giant cat people. It's weird. Anyway. She, Martine comes back later on. Oh, she's turned mm. into a vampire at one point. Um, and then Morbius manages to cure her. And then years and years later, she's become a vampire again. <laughs> um, and this time she's like, ah, I want to, I become, I've, I've purposefully become a vampire so I can spend the rest of eternity with you. But for some reason, she wants to make Morbius a true supernatural vampire like herself. Mm. Um, and he's not cool with that. She then tries to kill Spider-Man and rip his throat out. So Morbius murders her. <laughs> he grabs a, 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 he shatters a table leg and it becomes a, a stake and he stabs his ex-girlfriend through the heart and, and kills her 
for a second or third time. Yeah, that's my team. Lots of uh, like she's in, and, you know, she's in and out, and sometimes she's a vampire, and then she's cured, and then she's a vampire again, and then she's cured, and yeah. goes to the land of the cat people as you do. <laughs> that's a nice twist. So, in the film's mid and post credit scenes, Adrian oh. Toomes finds himself transported to Morbius's universe. Having deduced that his transportation involves Spider-Man, Toomes approaches Morbius and suggests that they form a team. Worst horrifying post credit scene. Do you remember what was it? They had the post credit scene. Uh, we haven't seen the film yet, but I saw it after seeing the Spider-Man film. They had a post credit scene in Venom Two. Can we talk about that one? quick i haven't seen it so i'd rather not okay we'll talk about that it's just yeah this 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 feels like oh we're trying to be our own thing but we kind of can't we have to drag in success elsewhere yeah we have to yeah yeah and it was clearly over this awful overdubbed thing it just didn't look good it didn't sound good the dialogue was horrible it just didn't feel like like, like what we've seen the character of Adrian too. Let's team up. He, he wouldn't do that. He would not do that. Ugh. So, Sony are obviously trying to set up the Sinister Six with this cameo. Um, but I don't. Morbius is not in the Sinister Six in the comics books. I mean, he was in Midnight Suns, wasn't he? You said. Mm hmm. Wasn't in Sinister yeah. Six, though. No, he was not not in the Sinister Six. I don't I don't believe he's in any iteration of the Sinister Six, and there's been a lot of them. He's not in the classic iteration anyway. No. Um, he's in the Legion of Monsters. Um, that sounds like the Universal Studios MonsterVerse, like official name. We've talked about the Legion of Monsters before. Yeah. Uh, they are Man Thing, Morbius, Werewolf by Night, and the Ghost Rider, um, and they all accidentally come together. When this beautiful, angelic, cosmic creature called the Starseed comes to visit Earth to literally bring paradise to everyone on Earth. However, the first creatures that he encounters are all these horrifying monsters, and he gets scared. And the problem is, Man-Thing burns anything that is afraid. <laughs> so, Man-Thing, uh, Man-Thing burns, he bleeds first, Morbius and the werewolf go into a bloodlust, it scares the starseed, Man-Thing burns him to death. <laughs> and they don't know what he's thinking, but we, the reader, know that he was coming to bring peace and prosperity and eternal life to everyone on Earth, and he was going to cure all these monsters of their curses and, and turn them back into regular humans. Um, and because they're all a bunch of freaks, they kill him by accident. Um, there's a second version of the Legion of Monsters that's kind of fun, um, a more updated one, and that's Morbius, uh, Werewolf, uh, Man-Thing, and there's a, the Living Mummy as well, and the Manphibian. I like him. He's called the Manphibian. He's basically the creature of the Black Lagoon, but they can't right. use that name. Okay, okay. So yeah, they very much are doing Dracula, Werewolf. They're doing the classic Universal monsters, yeah, but they can't. Um, and also Man-Thing. They come together to protect monsters from deranged lunatics and government agencies that are trying to hunt and capture monsters it's a very nice twist um they are they go around saving monsters from humans um a really great concept really great idea fun series uh this series uh features morbius and the gang finding the 
vivisection dismembered parts of Frank Castle Punisher's body Ooh. in the sewers and then reassembling him as a patchwork Frankenstein-like creature called Frankencastle. That's incredible. And he joins the Legion of Monsters and it's loads of fun. Well, there we have it. We have put to bed the meme fantastic, <laughs> meme tastic, fantastic Morbius movie. Uh, thank you, Will, for taking us through that and for joining me in a dive through the the horrifying history of Morbius. Um, final thoughts on your movie is something we always look forward to. Uh, so, so take it away, Will. I mean, I usually I say credit where credit's due, and there are maybe like a three bits where I was like okay fair enough but apart from that no there's not much not much good here I mean as I said before there's a lot of the film that feels like it's just a collection of tropes and uh, cliches that really bring nothing to the table it's like it's a functional just about functional movie rather than anything new or exciting or anything that creating an experience like it doesn't feel even then it doesn't even feel like storytelling or entertainment but it really does feel like content simply used to retain the rights of a character and maybe make some money on the side. There's a lifeless, cynical, hollow affair to it that it's you know assumes the target audience isn't expecting much. And I mean, maybe no, no one really does a good job in this film. You know, by comparison, you have Matt Smith. You could argue Jared Leto does some some good stuff, but it it just doesn't doesn't feel like no anyone's really trying, and the whole experience feels like it was a very rushed production. And for the love of God, Sony! Well, my last thing on this, love of God, Sony! Just give the Marvel rights back to the adults. <laughs> uh, your favorite piece of trivia from this episode, Will? I'd love to hear that. I really want to go out with something really interesting. But I, I, I think I think the one thing that's going to stick in my head is the fact that he had a horrible nose before he turned into a vampire. <laughs> uh, the reading list for this episode, um, there are two epic collections that Marvel brought out um, about Morbius. Uh, there's one called Living Vampire and the other one called End of a Living Vampire. The first collection, Living Vampire, epic collection, has the Spider-Man stuff where he first appears. It has the black and white... Um, vampire Tales horror magazine stuff in, which is a real find, and it also has the um, it, some of the adventure into fear. Um, and End of a Living Vampire, I believe, has the last few, the last years of that of adventure into fear, the weird cosmic cat stories. Um, Rise of the Midnight Suns is out and around. It got a re um, publishing. Um, fairly recently so you can catch that Morbius is in all of that it's it, it, I think there's a couple of Morbius issues and then you're going you're dealing with the the, the wider crossover event Rise of the Midnight Suns mm. there was a reprinting of that within the last five or so years or so because I've got a copy um, check out Morbius the Living Vampire Volume 2 I don't know if they ever collected it but it's if you can find a Morbius comic from the 90s or a collection from the 90s that's that new series where he becomes the anti-hero he becomes supernatural there's some fun to be had with that it's very 90s but there's some fun to be had with that they quickly build up a rogues gallery of uh, bad guys for him to clash with um, I also think Legion of Monsters by Dennis Hopeless is really fun. That's when Morbius is with these guys trying to protect monsters from humans, and we get Frankencastle and, and all 
of that. Don't forget to head over to get your T-shirts in the months that you can. June and July are the only times they're available. Um, as far as we know, head to offworldtees.com slash MVM to get hold of your amazing Marvel vs. Marvel T-shirts. Join us next episode for a first look at Ms. Marvel. Thanks for listening to Marvel vs. Marvel. Please take the time to like us, rate us, subscribe, leave a five-star review, recommend us to a friend who loves Marvel. Find us on patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel. Get your t-shirts now from offworldtees.com slash mvm. Mm-hmm.